Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. We're heading into an NFL weekend, and we're doing that from Fleming Island. We're also heading into a big college football weekend, and could there be some big college football news? I don't think so. It's not going to happen, but it's fun to talk about. We will. Deion Sanders to Florida State. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Sign up for that. I'd love it. Let's do it. Uh, we're going to talk about the Jaguars today and, and all the London talk and all oh, that word viability. We're going to bring in the brigade for it. They've been vocal. And we're going to do that a little bit later on in the program. We have Peter King. You been in touch with Peter King? Been in touch with Peter King, yes. guy. He is my guy. He's coming on for our celebrity six-pack of picks. Absolutely. And multiple topics as well. I think that's going to happen around 3.30, so that'll be cool. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk Deion Sanders. We also are out in Fleming Island hanging out at Mr. Chubby's Wings because, well, I love the wings. And, uh, secondly, because we're on the doorstep of Fleming Island High School. It's our Action Sports Jacks Game of the Week on ESPN 690 tonight. Guess what? It's playoff time in high school football. Yes, sir. You know what it is? If I was, since I'm looking out this vin- window right here, you could put me like in Albany, New York right now. Yeah. And it always looked like this, this time of year in Albany, <laughs> New York. The difference is it was about 12 degrees. Sure. And uh, we'd be bundled up for high school football. Like, it actually looks cold outside today. It, it does look a little chilly. And listen, I, I enjoy this kind of weather. You know, I mean, unfortunately, it was a little too warm to rock the hoodie today because you obviously know how much I sweat. So I couldn't rock the hoodie. But uh, all things considered, I think it's a wonderful day out today. Well, uh, it really is comfortable and nice yeah. and pleasant. But mm-hmm. will the rains come for some high school football? I hope they don't because we've had a really good weather season on Friday nights. And you don't want rain to kind of mess around with who should be going to the next round of the playoffs and and things like that. But uh, we'll get into the Action Sports Jacks game of the week. Fleming Island will host Wakaiva. Fleming Island undefeated in 7A. Yeah. And so we're uh, making the trek over there. 7.30 kickoff. But there are some 6.30 kickoffs around the area. Of course, we'll have the Friday Night Blitz coming up later tonight. CBS 47 and Fox 30. But, hey, hanging out at Mr. Chubby's Wings, man. Absolutely. So I'm not sure if we can shoot it every single day. But I'll tell you what I like about this place so far. And I've been here for about the total of three minutes. I have a TV in front of me. You know, I... <laughs> I have a TV with sports in front of me because I've been campaigning for a TV in the ESPN 690 studio now for, oh, I don't know, Brent, about nine months. Still hasn't come to fruition, so it's refreshing to see sports on TV when I'm talking about it as well. Only radio show in the country that doesn't have a TV in the studio. We're still uh, asking ESPN if maybe they would feel bad for us yeah. and give it to us. It's yeah. really not an ESPN thing at no, all. No, it's not. Um, but, uh, I, you know, what's funny is I never think about it. No? We don't have I always do. Especially well, like during baseball season, like during the playoffs, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking about like it. The Masters, yeah, you be yeah. watching uh, USO, all, all those kind of things. Yeah, so, yeah, we should have one. But, but I'll tell you what: by the time March comes around, it's March Madness. If we don't have a TV in there by then, Brent, I might have to do something drastic. It might be the pink slip. <laughs> might be the, might pink be the slip. two weeks. Yeah, might be something. <laughs> but you are right about that. Maybe we'll just come to Mr. Chubby's every day and do the show. Absolutely. Now I'll tell you something else about Fleming Island. Holy cats, is Fleming Island grown? Yeah. I, when I got here in 2008, I, we lived in Eagle Harbor, okay. which yep. is on the way out. I know where that's at. And we lived on like the 18th hole, which I think they've since switched to nine holes. But uh, we rented a house for mm-hmm. a few months, and there'd be like nobody. In fact, I got pulled over more on 17 coming home at like 1 in the morning yeah. from work. Yep. 
because there was just nobody there. And, People uh, were bored. Somebody just raised their hand, which means I'm not sure if he's been pulled over or he pulled me over. Yeah. <laughs> One or the other. But, a little bit of both. But now, heck, you couldn't even get pulled over on 17. It's bumper-to-bumper traffic to come out here at 245, 230. Yeah. This place has really grown up uh, since uh, I lived out here a decade ago. Uh, glad to be back at Fleming Island and at Mr. Chubby's Wing. So we have our show from here. All right, let's get right to it. Late last night, I was you know watching Thursday night football, yep. doing a little TV, had Jaguars all access, and then when I'm done with my sportscast, Ian Rappaport tweets out, "Hey, Deion Sanders might be a candidate for the Florida State job." Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Social media has gone crazy with this. Like, are you kidding me? No way. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Are you? Why though? Uh, what I can't put my arms around. And listen, this isn't me advocating for Deion Sanders. Yeah. I was just surprised at the initial reaction. Instead of, hey, that might be a little different. Hey, that might be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dion could recruit the heck out of places. Dion would bring in all the money. Dion would bring in so much attention to the school. All those things. No, no, no. I was like, <laughs> you guys are kidding. Like, that's not real. And it might not be real. I don't think Deion Sanders becomes the head coach at Florida State. I'm not sure if he ever coaches anything outside of his son's high school team or sure. whatever he was coaching, some Pop Warner stuff. Yeah. But I, I was interested to see why everybody dismissed the notion of it so quickly. Two things. Number one, um, how much experience does Deion Sanders have being a head coach of any, uh, you know, any college team? And the answer is zero. And you mentioned it, Brent. Deion Sanders, he is that household name. If you're trying to bring in recruits, they would know who he is. Obviously, I know who he is. Every generation knows who Deion Sanders is. He was that big of a, of a deal when he played. But my point is the fact that this is still Florida State. And while Taggart had a lot of issues, and obviously he didn't win a lot of ball games, the one issue that Taggart didn't have, and if you want to knock him, you can, but he didn't have issue recruiting. Because for whatever reason, Florida State still carries the pomp and circumstance. They, they still carry that prestige. Guys still want to go to Florida State, even though they haven't had a lot of success over the past couple of years. So from that perspective, if you want to bring Dion in as the head coach, it's going to be for recruiting. But Florida State's issue right now, it's not recruiting. It's the culture. It's the offense. It's the defense. And as far as X's and O's are concerned, I get it. Dion was an all-pro kind of guy, well, you know, a Hall of Famer. I'm sure he knows kind of the X's and O's, but coaching college football and being a former player, it's two different things, and I think they need to focus more on the X's and O's and actually trying to get the hype and recruiting going. Well, quite frankly, Willie Taggart proved that he really wasn't a good coach either. He could recruit, but he certainly couldn't coach well enough. So upgrading Willie Taggart with a Deion Sanders might be okay. I don't know. Uh, There's a lot to this. I I just was struck by the fact, you know, I think people also laughed off Peyton Manning to Tennessee. But to be honest with you, I feel like less people laugh that off. Is that just because he's Peyton Manning? Is that because he doesn't have the swag and the style and he's, uh, of, of Dion? And is because Peyton Manning's more CEO-esque, you know? Yeah. Is that why people didn't laugh it off as much? Or maybe they did just as much, but I don't remember. The initial reaction to this one was like, <laughs> you got to be well, kidding me, man. To be, yeah, but to, to be fair, though, Brent, I mean, if we're comparing the quarterback position to the corner position, with all due respect to Deion Sanders, but Peyton Manning was the guy that was you know getting to the stadium first. He was the guy that was staying three hours extra just to make sure he was ready to take on defense. And when you saw him call a game, whether it was the audibles or the adjustments, I mean, Peyton Manning was an absolute mastermind when it came to that. Deion Sanders, they basically just told, hey, go cover this dude, make sure he doesn't catch the ball. So I think from that perspective, it's a little easier uh, to understand the, the position of cornerback than it's easier to understand the position of, of a quarterback in the NFL. All right. Uh, why? Here's my one problem with college football a lot, okay? 
is I think because it was done in 1965 this way, we have to do it this way in 2019. That's why it took us forever to get away from an AP poll championship, a BCS championship. That's why we're still at a Final Four, even though everybody and their mother knows it makes zero sense, and you should go to a 16-game playoff. So I think it's so old-school, good old boy network in college football that nobody could even think outside the box. Now, I admit this might be a little bit too far outside the box, but we don't see people thinking like this at all. I mean, can you even remember someone like this realistically happening at a university, at a college or university? I mean, and I'm talking about a Power Five now, a big one, right? Nobody yeah. would go. You're telling me, should I be more excited about Florida State football if Deion Sanders was the head coach or if Norvell's the coach from Memphis? I mean, who yeah. the heck is that guy? Now he might be better. I'm not disregard. I'm not. I'm not saying that, but. I'd be more excited about Florida State football if Deion Sanders. All the eyes would be on Deion Sanders. No, that's true. And to kind of prove your point a little bit, too, where nowadays, like, this is the newer school of football version of college football. And, like, a great example, Mac Brown. How much, like, how hands-on do you think Mac Brown is at the University of North Carolina with that defense, with that offense? No. Mac Brown is just, you know, he's the centerpiece. He's the guy that gets the recruits there because everyone knows Mac Brown from Texas. And you know what? North Carolina, for the most part, they're having some pretty decent success in the ACC. They almost beat Clemson. So from that perspective, I can see where Dion would kind of just be the focal point, and maybe he's not you know, hands-on on the defense, hands-on on the offense. He hires the coordinators to do that for him, and basically all Dion is is kind of the guy that's on the sidelines rocking the swag and everything and, and, and kind of you know improving on the culture. So to prove your point, he doesn't have to be the X's and O's guy, but also, Brent, this is still is a newer school college football, okay? I mean, you you say from like the good old boys and the coaches, I understand that. But if you look how the the offenses have progressed and the lack of defense these days in college football, Brent, I would say it's definitely still new school. Yeah, when I say good old boys, I'm talking about behind the scenes. By the way, okay, too. I'm talking about boosters and I'm talking about the way we 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 look at it in general. Just college football. I think people, college football. You don't want it to change sometimes. It takes forever to change sometimes, and that's what we're still dealing with. The way we really designate a national champion. I mean, if you go look at a 16-team bracket right now that would exist if they had a 16-team playoff, oh, go look at it. It's a lot of fun. I don't know how anybody can see. I'm all see. set. I don't know. No, seriously, how it would sit right now if, if yeah. Florida as the 10th seed would be in it and who they'd play as the 7th seed. And this looked a little bit more like March Madness, but nobody, they won't even... They won't even look at it. You know, they won't even look at that stuff. We're, we're years from getting to something like We're just trying to get the six. Or I don't want that, though, else. man. Ah, but we, Here's the no, point. Nobody will even entertain it because it's so old. It's just old thinking. Okay, but football. I understand that. But if, if you're talking about like a 16-team bracket in college football, let's think of this because you compare it to basketball. How many guys are watching regular season college basketball? Now, yeah, I get it. Like you, you have your school, but how many people are tuning in for a, a prime time college basketball game between maybe like a three or four, um, you know, seed right now in the regular season? Nobody. Do you know why? Because in college football, every single game matters. Like this game coming up, Alabama LSU. There's a lot on the line, and all of a sudden, if you put a 16 team bracket, and now it's like, well, all of a sudden, you know, if maybe if Alabama loses, LSU loses. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal, but you know what? They'll still get in the tournament. It's not a big deal. I just like from the fact that there's only four teams, so every week it matters. Okay, but uh, I can give you the last eight weeks of this college football season. I can tell you five games that I thought really mattered to the point you're th- talking about. 
I mean, you know, I do think people watch Duke and Kentucky and Carolina and whoever else, uh, Michigan State, play the other night. Now, did they do it in droves? No, because football's bigger. People will yeah. still watch football. It's I get the importance of it, but they were even losing the importance of it a little bit. That's why teams are starting to schedule. You can get in with one loss. Maybe someday you can get in with two losses. So it's not like it used to be. And we're slowly shifting. I guess my point is we slowly, slowly shift. As for the Deion Sanders part of this, I'll give you two reasons when we come back why it can't work, in my opinion. And uh, that is on the way. We are live at Mr. Chubby's Wings here in Fleming Island. Stay tuned for the video portion. We're working on it. Uh, Hopefully we'll have it up there in uh, just short order. Peter King will join us uh, toward the bottom of the hour, and uh, we'll talk some Jags as well. Interesting comments from Calais Campbell. So a lot to get through on the show, including our celebrity six-pack of picks. We're live in Fleming Island, Mr. Chubby's Wings on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, we're hanging out at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Fleming Island. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Friday afternoon. Be here until 6 o'clock. We have our Action Sports Jacks Game of the Week on ESPN 690 coming up at 7.30 between Fleming Island and Wakaiva, and that's just down the road. Uh, looks like we could get a little weather, so uh, be updated on that for tonight, and make sure you dress accordingly all over the area for high school football. Mr. Chubby's Wings, home of the original Fleming Island Happy Hour. 50 Cent Wings every Monday night, by the way. 6 to 10, catch Monday Night Football and enjoy 50 Cent Wings at the Fleming Island location, which is where we are at. Okay, talking a lot about Deion Sanders in Florida State. Why not? Right? This is fun. I thought it, The beauty of this topic is I don't think it's going to happen. No, it's just the fact that we're talking. I mean, I think this was De- this is what Dion wanted all along. Yeah. Dion knows how how social media works and everything, and how marketing works. And guess what? We're talking about Florida State, even though they're having an abysmal season. Well, and the thing about it is, I forget about Dion part of it. I think the interesting question to me is, could we see this down the road? Could we get to a situation where we get that kind of guy, like a star guy, that wants to coach? Now we've seen John Elway. Right, and he goes. He's a star guy, and he's up in the uh, administrative offices of the Denver Broncos. We see now uh, Lynch in San Francisco, mm-hmm. right, doing a similar thing. We've seen Gary Kubiak, but he was a backup quarterback in the NFL, and now, you know, coach. Well, you seen Jack Del Rio? You seen Del Rio is the same way. Uh, Mike Malarkey was a tight end Malarkey, for Atlanta. Uh, yeah. uh, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have done it, but I guess my. My thought on that, Austin, is no disrespect to any of them, is they're not Deion Sanders. Correct. <laughs> you yeah, know, you're, it's you're not right. Peyton Manning. Yeah. You know, it's not like Tom Brady's going to coach a football team. Singletary, I think, was a good example. Singletary was probably one of the bigger names to yeah. do it. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we saw one. that we saw that turned and out. That didn't work out so yeah. well. So I love the idea. I wonder sometimes you wonder why we don't see more of it. Some guys are in the coaching ranks, some guys are assistant coaches. Uh, we have it here in Jacksonville, Keenan McCardell, yeah. you know, and it's all over the league really in that regard. Some go to the front offices. It, I, it's fascinating, but we don't see it a lot I don't believe in college football, you know? You don't really get that in college football. So, that's what we're talking about here and could a Deion Sanders be better than people think in the college ranks most people believe no 
Brent Martineau, Austin Lane here at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Fleming Island. Thanks for hanging out with us. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. More than welcome to jump in on any of the conversations, including this one, Dion at Florida State. Star Star 690 is the number. All right, here's why it can't work, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Two reasons. One, the fact that Florida State is in a situation where they can't mess up. This is not the time to take a risk for Florida State. Mm-hmm. They are coming off Willie Taggart, cost them a bundle of money, 21 games. Nobody feels good in Tallahassee about the football program. And while the feel and the excitement and the oh, what if would be great with a guy like Deion Sanders, you couldn't do it right now. I think if they had done it after Jimbo Fisher, maybe, maybe then you could do it because you had kind of a mulligan. I've said this a lot, and, and listen, you don't get mulligans really in college football, so it's a little bit different, but... If you look at the last four or five decades, Florida State's got it right in their head coaching position. Yeah. I mean, they've won national championships and won a lot of football games. They haven't had a lot of seasons like this. That's why you're seeing Willie Taggart the last two years do things that nobody's done. It's it's the first time, not going to a bowl game. You know, the, the record the way it is, the, some of the stats on sacks and, and offense and penalties and whatever it might be, because they've been so good for so long. So I just don't think this is the time. This is not the right time. And... I think it would be so far off the radar, it's too risky for Florida State. In fact, my opinion on Florida State's hire is you've got to get somebody like Dan Mullen. And what I mean like Dan Mullen is I'm still not convinced Dan Mullen's going to win big at Florida. I'm not. He'll have to prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I do know he's going to win you 8, 9, 10 games almost every year. He's going to put you in that mix a lot. And if he puts you in the mix enough, that means you're in the mix and that you have the capability to maybe win big. But, but So I think Florida State needs to find that guy. I understand, but at the same time, I mean, do you think it's a little more, you know, detrimental to be a coach in the SEC where you have the Alabamas, you have the come-ups of the LSUs, where if you're Dan Mullen, it's probably going to be hard to win a national championship just because the level of competition you play week in and week out. And now, you know, it's not like the old days with the ACC where they had, you know, the, the Miami was rolling and, and then they had uh, Florida State was rolling. Like now the ACC, in my opinion, all it is is Clemson. You know, no, yeah, you got Wake Forest sometime, but no, but no, it's it's just the ACC is Clemson. There's a reason why Clemson isn't in the top four right now because no one respects the ACC. And I think from winning ball games there, I get what you're saying, where you, you want to bring a Dan Mullen and type that can win you nine or you know eight or nine games, just be consistent. But if you're only winning eight games in the ACC, I don't think that's good enough, Brent, because the only team you should be worried about right now in the ACC is Clemson. And I think you should be worried about Clemson for the next couple of years. Now, yeah, maybe North Carolina comes around eventually, and they're set to be a powerhouse. But if I'm a head coach right now, and I'm brought into Florida State, I should be expected to at least compete every single year for you know the ACC championship. Well, the thing about all that is you can't, you don't know. It's cyclical, and or it can be. SEC has been very good, but it can be cyclical in conferences. So you can't just name your coach or think about expectations just based on the rest of the conference. Bottom line is, it's the Florida Gators. Dan Mullen has been brought there, and he needs to win national championships at some point, or one, or yeah. something. You know, the, the guy that was there a decade ago when he was there won two national championships. Steve Spurrier won national championships. So championship. So I, I think you've got to put yourself in those positions. Uh, positions if you're at Florida. And it doesn't matter who you're playing. I don't care if you're playing in the AFC East. The expectation there is to win the national championship. Mm-hmm. But my point on that is get to a point, get to someone that's going to win you football games and not put you at 4-8 and eight or 5-7 and seven or, not, or missing bowl games or the laughing stock of right now the state of Florida in college football. Hey, Scott, if you're jumped in on this, uh, 
I guess people cannot hear the live stream. They can see the video but can't hear the live stream. So I'm just going to tell you uh, right over the air here that uh, if, you, if there's a button to hit on the computer for the audio side, if you can check that out. I know we were having a little issues with the computer earlier. so I'm going to put uh, a man on it. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. I'm uh, just getting some texts and tweets about that. So hang tight, folks, uh, if you're uh, trying to... Um, check out the video feeds. And if you are, you can't hear me anyway, even though I just told you that we're trying to fix it. <laughs> uh, the, other, um, the, the, the other no part of this for me when it comes to Deion Sanders or someone like him, here's my thought. You tell me if I'm wrong. This is my first thought mm-hmm. on Deion Sanders. First of all, I was like, hey, this would be fun as heck, right? Yeah. This would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, what the heck? Go ahead. Go for it. I, for my entertainment, go for it. I don't care. I mean, I'm not. A yeah, it's not like you're a fan of Florida fact, State. You I, just want to see chaos, man. Talk, you want to see. <laughs> well, I talked to some Florida State fans today. They're like, "Bring them on! That would be awesome." I mean, so it's not yeah. everybody. Social media has been, no, 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 you can't do this. Mm-hmm. But not everybody. I've been talk. I've talked to some. They're like, "Hey, you know, it'd be kind of cool." Sure. You know, they believe in him and and would believe in that Deion Sanders and, and to what he could do. But here's my view of it, and you can tell me I'm wrong. You played in the NFL. I believe, and it's not a knock against Deion Sanders. I just think it's reality. I believe a guy like Deion Sanders, everybody's been almost doing everything for Deion Sanders his whole life. Now, that sounds bad. Yeah. What I'm saying is he's worked his butt off to get where he is. I think he's a smart businessman. I think he's smart, all this stuff. But my point is people have helped him, you know, always helped him and said, hey, you need something, I'll go get it done. Well, here's the deal. When you're a head coach and a leader of an organization or anything else, you're the one that has to go tell everybody else, or you have to do everything else to put people in good position. I think that's a role reversal, unless I'm reading it totally wrong. I'm just saying, I feel like athletes in general, you know, you grew up in this, in the NFL, you guys get a lot of stuff done for you. I'm not saying they Mm -hmm. brush your teeth for you. I'm just saying everything's made available. It's the the easy way at times. It's different than our world that we live in, uh, I think. Okay. And... I don't necessarily say that in a bad way, although it kind of sounds bad. Sure does. But, um, <laughs> but I just feel like Deion Sanders, you, you have to be in charge of everything, man. Mm-hmm. You have to be in, even if you have good people around you helping out, you are the guy delegating, saying, you do this, this is on me. Everything comes back to you. I feel like it's a little bit different than the life he's lived to this point. I don't think it matches up. I think that would be so, like, whoa. Oh my gosh! I got to do all this stuff. Sure. Like stuff that I've never done before, or never even thought about having to do. Yeah. You know my point? Um. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to agree. I with get. That, uh, uh, no. Point. No. No. I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, we're talking about Deion Sanders here. You know, and the fact that you know where Deion Sanders came from was able to get a scholarship, took that scholarship, made it to the NFL. Uh, played in Major League Baseball, and then also became a Hall of Famer in football, it goes to show you, Brent, that, yeah, maybe people did a lot of things for him, but he still had to put the work in. Sure, people can hold your hand all they want, but at the end of the day, you still got to put the work in the weight room. You still got to put the work in on the field, and that's what Deion Sanders did. And you you can't underestimate the mentality, the work ethic of of, of a football player. You you just can't do it, you know. And I don't care if it's a head coach at a college program. I don't care if it's a if it's a manager at Enterprise Rent a Car. 
I think if you hire a football player, you know, a former All-Pro, he's going to have that mindset to try to be the best because there is some ego involved with it. So, yeah, maybe Deion Sanders right away, maybe he's going to come in and not be the best speaker to this team. Maybe he's not going to be the best guy in how to, you know, b- balancing the budget, getting guys to class, all that stuff. But guess what? He understands that if he wants to be the best, he'll hire guys around him and he'll learn from them until he's ready to take over himself. Like, that's the thing with college football. It's not just the head coach. You have the defensive coordinator. You have the offensive coordinator. You have uh, scouts. You have it, it's a, it's a collection of people. It's a culture. And to say you know Deion Sanders won't be good just because he doesn't have the experience number one, or maybe because he's had everything done for him, I disagree. Just because he's got the work ethic, and if he really wants to do it, that's the thing. Does he want to do it? Does he want to put time, put forth well, the he time? Well, he better want to do it if he's going to sign up. Well, for it, well, right? exactly. I mean, I, I haven't heard Deion Sanders come out and say, you know what, I want to be the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles. No, I, but I haven't behind heard the that closed yet. doors, I think that's probably what did happen and how it got to this point. <laughs> well, yeah, but let's be let's, let's be fair though, Brett. Maybe they're just having a conversation, playing cards, and like maybe he casually just dropped it as a joke. Like we don't know how legitimate this thing is, at least in my opinion. And now until I see Deion Sanders come on NFL TV or whatever and say, yes, I want to be the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, then, then I'll take it wholeheartedly. Right now I'm just kind of like, yeah, we'll see. Well, listen, I don't even think it's going to happen. I just like the conversation of a guy of his magnitude, a person in his spot, yeah. trying to be a coach somewhere. Right now we're using Deion in Florida State. Sure. But I'm just saying overall I think uh, it's so unique, and would they be a, a – ready for it. Let me ask you this question. I'm going to frame it different. It sounds certainly like I've just labeled all you NFL players, and I'm sorry, but we just talked yesterday for a half hour, 45 minutes about Antonio Brown and how enabling and entitlement and all that's part of it. Correct. That's part of your world. Yes, it that is. You lived yeah. it. Without a it, doubt. It's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So to what degree is it part of your world? I don't know. And again, that's a little unfair to Dion. Just from the outside looking in, my view is he was probably enabled, entitled to a lot of different things where he didn't have to worry about all this stuff. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean... I don't have to worry about my mowing my lawn right now, you know. <laughs> so I'm probably not going to own a, a lawn business. Sure, yeah. Because okay. I don't know what the heck goes into that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not doing it. So uh, I I think all of here's let me ask you this: yep. of the guys you played with, uh, from a percentage standpoint, mm-hmm. or just a blanket statement, do you think players are organized? Do I think players are organized? Um, some are and some aren't. If I was going to put it at a percentage, I would probably say maybe – I'd probably say half and half. Because if you want to know if someone's organized, just walk in the NFL locker room and see how their locker is. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm being uh, truthful. I feel like well, I'm organized, but don't look at my room. Well, I mean, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, that's, that, that, that's how I approach it because that's where they work, right? Like that's their place of business is, is the locker room. And if their locker's messy, then you could probably guess, well, you know what? If their locker's messy, their car's probably a little messier or their apartment or their home is probably a little messy. So from that perspective, as far as organization's concerned, from what I've seen in locker rooms, I'd probably put it at 50-50. Okay. So, like, I take a look at a guy like, and I don't know what you were in terms of your regimen. I'm sure you were pretty hardcore. You have been in the MMA, all your, mm-hmm. your training camp stuff and, and everything leading up to all your fights. And so you're very well disciplined on that front. Now, I don't know if you could have done this eight, nine years ago or yeah. you were always wired that way. So mm-hmm. um, this is the other part of it. People change, right? They Correct. grow. They learn all these things. But, like, I look at a Paul Puzlesny. Yeah. And I'd say, well, that guy's probably so structured and organized, right? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, very, yeah that, that absolutely. He could probably do almost anything. I think uh, the name another athlete, and mm-hmm. I'm not. I think they might be like. Let me ask you this: Is Jalen Ramsey? I'm just using Ramsey. Sure. Ramsey as gifted as he is. Do you think he's as like 
like uh, organized and detailed oriented as like a puzz. See, but yeah, no, a- absolutely not. He's not. But Brent, sometimes that's that's not the best thing for for college players. Because I'll, I'll give you a prime example: Terrence Knighton. Terrence Knight, when I played, you know, in the Colin Pot Roast, he, he wasn't the most organized guy, right? He probably wasn't the most well-spoken guy, but guess what? He's having a lot of success right now at Wagner uh, University. Yeah, Wagner, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's a D-line coach. Do you know why he's having success there? He because relates. Because he relates to his yeah. players. He He's he's not that clean-cut, organized guy. Yeah, I don't need clean-cut, by the way. I don't need okay. clean-cut, well-spoken, any of that stuff. But I, he's I not the most organized that. guy. He's not the most organized guy, and, you know, sometimes... Listen, it takes all shapes and sizes in order to be a good coach. And sometimes the best coaches out there are the coaches that you can relate to. And Terrence Knighton, I think you can relate to him a lot more than you can to Putz. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and the relatability is there. That's what intrigues me about this. Yeah. But my whole point in this, ex- this little exercise is I believe the best coaches, young, old, athlete, not athlete, black, white, whatever, mm-hmm. are well organized. I think the best leaders in businesses, all these people are super organized people. Mm-hmm. And so you better have your ducks in a row. That's where this whole conversation goes for me. Like if you're in if people enable you all the time, well do you know what's going on everywhere else? If you do most things yourself, well you probably know where everything's going on yourself. Whatever walk of life you live in. Yeah. And so that has to translate to building a program, especially in college, and being on a sideline and organizations of practices and all this other stuff. My point is there's a lot that goes into it. Oh, without and, a doubt. And, and I just don't I don't know if that's a fit because I don't know Deion Sanders. Like I don't know how he handles his personal stuff. Maybe he is the most organized guy in the world. I, I just don't know that. But I'm just questioning does that translate from from guy that that has everything and doesn't need to worry about all these things. And that all of a sudden, well, now you got to worry about everything. Well, yeah, listen, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, th- there's a reason why I'm not a coach right now, right? Because I was asked when, when I, you know, retired from the NFL, Murray State, they want to bring me back as a grad assistant, and they want me to coach defensive line. And I, I respectfully said I appreciate the honor. Uh, I appreciate you guys thinking of me, but absolutely not, because I've seen too much. I've seen the behind the scenes of how much it takes to be a successful position coach, head coach in the NFL and in college. And guess what, Brent? Spoiler alert, it's a lot. And it's just not something I can, you know, spend my time with because, you know, there's a reason why I got to the NFL, whether it's the chip on my shoulder or the work ethic, but I do have an ego about me too. And that ego says that I want to be the best coach that I can be. You know, if, if I was going to put my name on something, I want to make sure that I'm winning ball games. I want to make sure that people are talking about me being a good coach. Well, in order to do that, you have to spend so much time. And, and that's why I'm hesitant to, like you kind of brought up with Dion, where, yes, it, you have to be organized and all this stuff, but at the end of the day, it's the time you got to spend yeah, doing yeah. it. You know, I mean, it's it's one thing to be an NFL player, play in the league. Yes, that's time-consuming. Training camp sucks. You spend a lot of time there. But guess what? If you're an NFL player, those coaches – spend about maybe two or three times more as time in that stadium yeah. prepping than the players do. So I think from that perspective, yes, you, you have to be able to, to spend your time wisely, um, and it's going to take a lot. And I don't know if Dion's up to that. I, I think that's relatable to kind of where we're going with this. Is like I, That's why people are assistant coaches and get in programs, to see all that. Yeah. Because if you haven't really been around all that from that perspective – you don't even understand what you have to do on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday morning. It's not just about practicing football yeah. games and recruiting. Well, and keep in mind, well, I think you see so much transition from NFL players coaching, you know, like NFL teams. Like we talked about Singletary, Jack Del Rio, uh, Malarkey. Is the fact that to me, Kyle 
college is harder. And we talked about this a little bit uh, to start out the week, where college, not only do you have to get ready for your opponent and you have to make sure you're winning ball games, but you also have to shape young minds. And you have to make sure those young minds are going to class, acting like adults and things of that nature. So you're almost like a parent and your head coach at the same time. Well, in the NFL, it's all business, right? Like, no, I mean, like you talked about, like, yeah, there's still some hand-holding there. Yeah, yeah, but at the end of the day, when you walk through that stadium, you're a businessman, yeah. and, and you're expected to act like one. College is different. College is all about bringing people yeah. along with you. You promised the parents of a college Which, kid. Yeah. You didn't promise the parents of a, of a professional athlete I, anything. Exactly. And guess what? That takes more time and energy right there. Absolutely. Well, listen, here's the deal. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm here for it. I'm kind of like, let's do it. <laughs> I'd have fun with this thing. I don't think it's the right time for Florida State. I don't also dismiss the notion of a star player getting into coaching at their alma mater. I don't dismiss it as much as everybody else does. I think there's a lot more to it, though. Hey, we're laid up against it. Scott, we're going to take a break. We come back. Peter King joins us. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome back to Mr. Chubby's Wings out in Fleming Island. we got high school football tonight. Our game of the week is out here in Fleming Island, and it's going to be a fun one. Hopefully the weather holds a little rainy, but Wakaiva against Fleming Island, first round of the playoffs in high school football. More on that a little bit later. Brent Morton, former Jags player, current MMA fighter, Austin Lane with us. And right now, it's awesome to have Peter King with us on Action Sports Jacks. How are you doing, sir? Everything's going good. How are you guys? We are fantastic. We have to set the scene and tell everybody about the story with Austin Lane. He actually did some writing for you back in the Sports Illustrated days. He wrote, he wrote, okay, so in 2013, um, I started this, uh, this website at Sports Illustrated called the MMQB. And so what I wanted to do at the MMQB was uh, I wanted to basically make football come to life a little bit more than it already did. And so I essentially tried to go out and do some stories myself and our, our, our staff members, do some stories really inside the game. Like I spent uh, a week in the life of an officiating crew. I, I mean, I literally lived and, and was around those guys, a seven-member crew for a week, a uh, different person every day. And so... I, I, those were the kind of stories I wanted to do. And so I always wanted to do a story uh, more than anything else. Almost, uh, I wanted to know what it felt like to be cut from, from a football team. And uh, so I basically, uh, I basically, you know, we started this website in the summer of 2013. And Austin Lane was released in mid, I think mid June of 2013. Yep, correct. And by the, by the Jaguars. And so I reached out to him. I found him. I reached out to him. And I just said, I want to do a story that essentially describes what it feels like to be cut. And we ended up calling the story, for lack of a better term, what it feels like to be whacked. And <laughs> Austin Lane did such an incredible job of 
such a vivid description of everything, how he felt all day. You know, from the time he's sitting there in a meeting and he basically is told to to go see Dave Caldwell, the GM. It was Dave Caldwell, right? Correct, yes. Yeah, you were told to go see the GM and uh, and the head coach was Gus Bradley and and you were told to go see him and they they basically fired you and you yeah. talked about every step of the way exactly what it felt and the vivid details and it just I'm dead serious. I was I ran the site for five years, and when I left, we were we at the end of it. We had a party. I think they were happy I was going, but um, <laughs> we we uh, we had this party, and the, and somebody there said to me, "Give me your five most memorable stories." Um, one of them was Richard Sherman because Richard Sherman wrote for us. Um, Richard Sherman wrote it. 11 o'clock at night, the night he attacked Aaron Andrews in the post-game interview of the NFC Championship. Um, and it was a very, very controversial column. Uh, Barack Obama read it and everything. It was a very interesting... But anyway, we we did we were talking about the five best things that were ever on our site, and we all agreed that Austin Lane's story was one of them. Well, I appreciate that, Peter. It means a lot to me that gave me the opportunity, you know, and I'm sure you kind of remember the conversations a little bit that I had when I was getting ready to write that story because I didn't want to do it, you know, because you're you're basically yeah. admitting that you failed and uh, that you got fired, and now you have to kind of re relive those memories and everything and put them on paper, but at the end of it, you know, and I'll be honest, it, w- it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was relive all those memories, relive all those emotions, but at the end of it, you know, when I when I finally hit the last period and I sent it in, there was like this, just this big weight was taken off my shoulder, so it was almost like it was uh, like a th- therapeutic, almost, you know, so, um, yeah. yeah, I was really happy with how it turned out, and I think that the biggest compliments that I got, you know, and I think you told me Rex Ryan read it, and like, I guess he was very impressed, yeah. and that was cool, but... It was just, it was the average day person that would either leave a comment in my Twitter or on Facebook and just say, hey man, I just got fired too, and I really appreciate how you yeah. kind of brought playing in the NFL yeah. back down to just, you know, the personal level. So um, that yeah. that was my biggest takeaway of it, so I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Hey, well, I know we want to talk about other things, but I'm dead serious. That's one of the best things that, that we did, and uh, we really owe you a lot. And you should just know how appreciated that that story was, and I'm glad you enjoyed doing it. That's pretty cool, I, I, Peter. You cover so many players uh, across your career. Yeah. Is it cool when you see? I, now you shared that story with Austin, but Austin's now gone from a guy helping you out with that article, a football player, uh, an MMA fighter, and heck, he's going to be a radio star uh, soon enough. Yeah. Uh, we just started this thing uh, this year, but. Is that kind of fun to watch where guys go life after football? Yeah, yeah, because there's so many guys, and Austin, I'm sure you know a lot of them. There's so many guys who either, you know, spend the next three or four or five years, let's say you get cut when you're 27 years old or whatever, then there's a lot of guys who just don't believe it's over. And for some of them, it isn't over. So, and and my, my recollection Austin, you went to, I don't know, three or four teams after that and played yeah. some and you were on the Chiefs for a while and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, what I what I admire about Austin Lane is how he is exploring everything in life. 
uh, and 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 you know from from something literary to another physical pursuit, you know, like like MMA, uh, and then to the media. I mean, it's just cool. Austin Lane doesn't know what he's going to be when he's forty five years old. <laughs> I, I, I doubt. You know, I do not. How, and so and so and so try try a bunch of things and see what you really like, and that's that's kind of what I admire about him. Peter well, King with us. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was just going to say, Peter, I mean, you absolutely hit it on the head because when you talk about guys that retire, you know, I was blessed enough where I knew what I wanted to do next. You know, I knew I wanted to get with yeah. MMA and kind of follow that journey a little bit. I knew that I had, you know, like the stories that I wrote for you and I had, you know, kind of like my degree in the in the background. So eventually I can maybe be on the radio. But so many guys in this league, and I, and I have friends, I'm not going to name drop anybody, but I know plenty of guys who, you know, the NFL, is it's, it's a sport, it's a profession that – Usually when you retire, you're getting asked to retire. You, you don't retire on your own terms. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's kind of like me, and I'm sitting in John Fox's office for the Chicago Bears, and he's saying, you know what, we're going to go in a, we're going to go in a younger direction. I was 26 years old at the time. I thought I was young, but now I have someone telling me that I'm way too old to play the game, you know, and that was kind of my rude awakening. But thankfully, I had other places to go. I had other outlets, and a lot of guys, Peter, I think it's the fact that. They don't have any, anywhere else to turn, right? And all of a sudden, they get kind of lost. They, they don't have to be here at a certain time. You don't have a coach telling you what to do, and they just yeah. kind of get lost. And it's uh, it's kind of an unfortunate thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Peter King with us. Yeah. Uh, how's Football Morning in America? From Monday Morning Quarterback to Football Morning in America, it's an awesome column. Uh, everybody tells you that. Uh, we appreciate all the work you put into it because it's such a read for all of us football fans. Let's let's do some quick hitters, man. Uh Foles or Minshew, who would you have picked? After last Sunday, I would have picked Foles. Uh, Before last Sunday, I had the thought that, uh, you know, if Minshew plays a really good game in London, win or lose, I'd stick with him. Um, He's exciting. He's fun. The guys on the team, you can tell. They like playing with him and for him. And, look, I was in training camp. I was extremely impressed with how quick Nick Foles uh, became uh, a one of the guys and be very well respected in that locker room. So this is no reflection whatsoever on Foles. It was simply the fact that it, when I looked at this kid, he was he was exciting. He was a poor man's Brett Favre, and it just was so cool to watch. He he made football fun. It reminds me a lot of of watching. Uh, Lamar Jackson to some degree uh you know you just don't know what's going to happen next and and Deshaun Watson and you know maybe the old Steve Young but and whereas you know so now they're going to head into um you know starting Monday at practice they're going to head into a, a, a different era and that era is more of a drop back guy uh more traditional football more Doug Marone Tom Coughlin style um and but but at the very least, what the Jaguars know now, you know, I heard somebody the other day. I think it was on ESPN, but I forget. Somebody was saying, well, you know, now what they can do with Minshew is they could. I'm sure they could get a four for him in the off season. I said, are you crazy? I'm not trading Minshew. I'm never trading Minshew. Now he might be a free agent one day, and he might uh, go get a big deal somewhere. Who knows? But. I'm not giving him away for a four. Do you have any idea what the value is in the NFL of a backup quarterback who can win? You just saw it. 
He won four games. Now he lost four, but he won four games. And I would and I and I challenge anybody. You tell me right now. You give me five players right now in the NFL who you would take as a backup quarterback, current backups. Give me five of them who you take over Minshew. I I I might find two or three. I absolutely could not find five. Peter, you, you 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 mentioned a little bit Jackson of the Ravens, you know, and me and Brenton have been kind yeah. of debating the whole week now. Where is he kind of like that flash in the pan? Because we saw it last year, you know, like the the Los Angeles Rams and that Sean McVay RPO offense. All of a sudden, it was this brand new thing. It was fresh, and no one could really stop it until the Super Bowl, and the Patriots finally did. Now enter the Baltimore Ravens, you know, Jackson at the helm. I mean, do you think Jackson will finally get figured out, or is it from my philosophy? Like I think, where I think Jackson's like. Michael Vick, where Michael Vick kind of sabotaged himself. Because I remember when I played Michael Vick, we couldn't stop him. Nobody could. Do you think he's more of the flash in the pan, or do you think he's more of that Michael Vick special kind of player that no one's going to be able to stop? Well, I mean, look, I'm going to say something right now that might sound absurd. Um, and I, 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 it could very well be absurd. I, I think he's better than Michael Vick. And the reason I think he's better than Michael Vick is because the most important play in that game last week came midway through. I was at the game in Baltimore. Came midway through the third quarter, and uh, uh, the the uh, the crowd sounded like a Metallica concert the whole game. They were going absolutely crazy. But now, after being after uh, the Ravens took that seventeen nothing lead, now it was twenty four twenty. The Ravens were up, and the and the Patriots, you could just feel it, this inexorable uh, march. The Patriots were going to come back. The Patriots are going to win the game and all this. And, and so I'm watching this, but more importantly, in the stadium, I'm hearing this. I wrote my column on Monday. It's, it was Sistine Chapel quiet. It was just, I'm, I'm serious, I could hear in the press box, I could hear Lamar Jackson calling signals. Now, oftentimes the you know the the the, the team with the ball, the home team, wants it to be quiet when the team's on offense. I get it. This was a different level of quiet. You would have thought there was nobody in the stadium. You couldn't hear anything. And wow. so and so, what happened on that play? Third and five, zero blitz by uh, by the by the Patriots. They send six. All right, and they have one guy spying Lamar Jackson. All right, so that's seven guys. That means the four receivers sent out in coverage, all of them were singled with no single high safety, no safety help anywhere. And so now you've got six guys rushing plus a spy. This is not a time for Lamar Jackson to run for the five yards in the first down. He's not going to make it. So what does he have to do? He has to throw the ball. So Mark Andrews, the tight end, uh, does a corner route on the left side. He's blanketed uh, by a Patriots defender. And, and, and Lamar Jackson throws the ball 18 yards downfield high, okay, so that uh, the 5'11 Patriots corner can't get it. But the 6'5 Baltimore tight end can get it. It was a perfect throw he completes the throw they go on and score they go up 30 to 20 30 to 20 uh the patriots never were heard from again 
So what I'm, the point I'm making is this is not a guy who has to make a living with his legs. Hmm. He absolutely unequivocally, I'm not saying he can do it every time, but against the Patriots, he made three or four big throws when he really needed them, and that's what I think is going to set Lamar Jackson apart. That's a great point. Yeah, the Ravens uh, look like genius is for, for <laughs> making that selection. Not bad for wide receiver. Making them 32nd, yeah. Yeah, when yeah. you describe the the quiet nature of that stadium, I, I immediately thought of Peyton Manning and Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah. He used to get that place so quiet. Yeah, it was incredible. You're right. Uh, uh, I yeah. want to ask you about, you, you're a uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. Uh, I don't think yep. I'm allowed to ask you how you vote, but my duty here in Jacksonville. Well, I'm happy King, to tell you how I vote. I think we should. <laughs> I think no, I'm serious. I think we should. I think our vote should be public. I've always thought that. But anyway, well, go ahead. I, well, my duty here in Jacksonville is to get number 71 into that Hall of Fame, Tony Bissell, where he deserves to be. Is and that I'll how tell you feel you, about in it? In my opinion, I mean, I think Tony Baselli is going to get into the Hall of Fame eventually. I think this is just my gut feeling. I do not. I never say to people, "Hey." Why did you vote for Mawai? Why did you? Because I think Mawai's deserving. I think Steve Hutchinson is deserving. I think Alan Fanica is deserving. But here is the biggest issue, and I'm gonna I'm going on absolute uh, estimate because I don't have any numbers or stats in front of me. But I believe I believe that uh, Fanica and Hutchinson, who who he will be in competition with this year to get in the hall, uh, both played about twice as many games as Tony Baselli did. There's nothing Baselli can do about that. He he didn't play as many games. He was an absolute standout when he did play. But uh, I believe, as do a lot of voters, that longevity matters. Length of career matters. And that, in my opinion, is the biggest thing that's uh, holding him back right now. Do I think it is fatal? No. Um, I think that Tony Baselli, in my opinion, was better at his position than Terrell Davis was at his position. And Davis played fewer games and fewer seasons for the Denver Broncos. And in my opinion, that is going to be the comparison that, in my my opinion anyway, is eventually going to get Baselli in. Now, this year, next year, four years down the road, I, I can't answer the question because I simply don't know. But... And it may, he may enter through the senior category if he doesn't make it this way. I hope, I hope not. But I, I certainly believe he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, I will speak up for him when the time comes, as I have spoken up for him in the past. Very good. Uh, Peter King with us, and uh, we'd love to see 71 in that Hall of Fame. It, it will happen at some point, hopefully sooner than later. Hey, the hot topic around everywhere seems London. Uh, listen, I've been a long believer Jags are not moving to London, uh, but they do play a game there annually. Is a team eventually going to London? Are we a long way away from it? And do you see a situation where the Jags play multiple games there? Home games, that could be. I mean, I think everything that you've asked is on the table. Um, I believe... For for the last few years, I have believed, probably until this year, and my now my belief, I'm not as sure about it, but I have believed uh, for the last few years that there would be a team in London by about 2023, full-time. And then 
I think a couple of things have happened. When the NFL talks about it now, they talk about it. Yeah, we would love to have a team in London, but they don't talk about it with any end date to that. Or we'd love to have a team in there by such and such a time. So now I'm really not sure, okay? But having said that, um, you know, the one thing about this 17th game that they might add is it gives the NFL more inventory to play with for things like international games. And it could be that the NFL could say, we're going to play eight games overseas every year now instead of four plus one, four in London, one in Mexico. We're going to play at least eight overseas. That is one uh, way that I've heard talk about this. And who knows, maybe the Jaguars get to the point where they play two. Shot Khan, I think, really wants to establish a beachhead because of the market size in Jacksonville. The more people he can get loving his team uh, in England and in Europe, you know, the better it is for the team financially. The more team, more people will schedule trips to Jacksonville to come see the Jags play and, and will establish sort of a beachhead for them in Europe. So that's, that's a good thing. But if they end up playing two games there, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't have any inside information on that at all. Uh, but I do think whether there's going to be a team there, I do believe that starting probably in 2022 or 23, the schedule overseas will be expanded. Peter King with us. Good thoughts on Tony Baselli on London. I don't know if uh, Austin told you you're hanging with us for like two hours. I, was just <laughs> I did not I know say you, that. I know you have stuff going on. So let's let's get you out of here. But if you don't okay. mind, I want to get your picks. If we do six games, and we'll just ask yeah. for your picks. We'll do ours later. But we do a few okay. college football and a few NFL. I'll give, you, I'll give you a pick, and I'll give you a sentence. I love it. I like it. I uh, How was that? I, perfect. I, that's perfect. I think this is a fascinating game between the Bills and the Browns. The Browns are favored by too. three. Their game, their season is on life support. And, Peter, I just don't know how good the Bills are. This is a chance to maybe get a big win on the road. Browns will win this game, in my opinion, because Baker Mayfield loves the pressure. He has not responded to the pressure so far this year, but he understands his coach's job is on the line and possibly Odell Beckham's future in Cleveland is on the line. I think they're going to find a way to get it to Beckham, and that was longer than a sentence. I love it. Uh, hey, we have all the time in the world. Vikings, Cowboys. Uh, my, the Dallas Cowboys are my Super Bowl pick. They're favored by three over the Vikings. Can Kirk Cousins win a big football game? I was just going to say I'm picking Dallas because until proven otherwise, I don't trust Kirk Cousins in a game of this magnitude. And the Seahawks and the 49ers, I'm surprised. Vegas knows something, Peter, because they're a six-point favorite over the Seahawks and the MVP of the league right now, Russell Wilson. Well, rightfully so, because I'm not sure that Seattle can block San Francisco's front. I think that the game in Arizona was a little faulty as far as forming judgments. A lot of people have said, well, you know, see, the 49ers can be blocked. Short week game on the road. Uh, their defensive line had played a huge number of snaps against Carolina in a very physical game on Sunday. Then they travel. I, I, I don't, I don't think that, I, I just, I don't think that Seattle's going to be able to hold the, the cavalry back from Russell Wilson. All right, good thoughts on that. I'm going to go to the college game now. Penn State, Minnesota, biggest game since uh, I don't know when in Minnesota. Uh, six and a half point underdog at home. Are the Gophers? 
What do you think? I know I know absolutely nothing about college football, <laughs> but a big game in November when they when they have that whiteout thing in state college. Uh, I don't know. I, hey, look, and far be it from me because I might be wrong, but I would bet that the majority to vast majority of Minnesota football players in this game will not have played in an atmosphere like this before. I'll take Penn State. <laughs> hey, here's here's an NFL kind of game. LSU-Alabama, <laughs> six-point favorite for Tuscaloosa and Alabama. Six-point favorites I over LSU. Thought, I just saw somebody wrote that there's 16 future first-round picks in this <laughs> game. <laughs> Incredible. So, I mean, maybe it is an NFL game. I, you know, I I probably, probably would pick LSU just because I trust the quarterback Burrow a little bit more right now. He's incredibly accurate. And look, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, to me, I don't, I don't know how healthy he is. And look, I don't pay that much attention to college football. I'll be watching that game. But Absolutely. I don't pay that much attention to college football. But Tua's hurt a lot. I mean, that would... That would factor into my decision-making if I had a high first-round pick, if I'm Cincinnati or Miami and I need a quarterback. And, I, and look, it might just be fluky things. He's had two major ankle injuries two years in a row. I don't know. Maybe not major is not the right word, but two significant, you know, uh, limiting ankle injuries two years in a row. So I don't know. Uh, I, I will, I give me the hot quarterback. I'll go Burrow and I'll go LSU. All right, I'm going to come back to the NFL for our final one for you. Panthers and Packers. Packers favored by five and a half. And I wanted to do this game for you because it's the Cam Newton era over in Carolina. Well, I'll take the Packers because I don't think that what they did last week at the the Chargers uh, was the real Green Bay Packers of this year. I think Aaron Jones is going to be one of the most significant players at any position in the NFL in the second half. Just watch. Rodgers has fallen in love with them both as a runner and a pass receiver. Um, So I'll take that. Now, as far as Cam Newton goes, the one thing you have to ask yourself with Cam Newton, whether you're Carolina or whether you're a team that has some interest in acquiring Cam Newton, one thing you have to ask yourself is, who is he right now? He came into training camp this year off shoulder surgery saying, and he said it to me, saying that, you know, he was learning how to be a different kind of quarterback. He was maturing and and know, knew that he can't be the old reckless self and and all that. And and so and and look, it, it's it's been since 2017 really that he's played healthy. So he's going to come on the field opening day 2020 after missing almost all of 2019. Basically all of it. He was never healthy. He had the foot injury going back to August and coming off shoulder surgery. And then in 2018, most of the year, he was really bothered by the bad shoulder. So I don't know who he is right now. And so if you're the Carolina Panthers, do you just say, well, bite the bullet, we're paying $19 million this year, or do you just let him go, move on, and figure that we're not positive what we get out of him anyway? I think the Panthers are sort of on the edge of a cliff on this decision, have not decided what to do yet, and it'll be interesting to see their decision. Peter, man, we really appreciate you coming on. You've obviously stayed longer than we could ever expect, and we thank you for that. Um, 
I just want to kind of close our conversation a little bit with a quick story uh, that I want to share. And this goes back to the first time I actually interacted with you. And this would be at Bowling okay. Green University. It was for, for the NFL broadcast oh, yeah. boot camp. Yeah. And, uh, you yeah. know, it was, it was basically just kind of like a, you know, they kind of threw you in the mix and you kind of got the, 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 the crash course of being a journalist and being a person on the radio and the TV. It was a great course. But one of the cool things was the fact that they said, you know, you'd be speaking. Now, I thought at the time you were going to be there in person. So I was excited to get a get a picture with you and everything well it was a skype interview which was still very cool yeah. you know and, and yeah. you're very eloquent with kind of the advice that you gave us and i'll never forget and it's probably um the most influence you know re, i mean I, I get it i wrote for you for sports illustrated and that was fantastic but w- what you said to me at that boot camp um was probably the most important thing that i've taken with my career right now on the radio and i'll never forget i asked you the question i'm like when when you have to turn in something to an editor or when you have a producer, when you have a boss, how do you maintain your voice and just how important is it to, 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 to have your voice? And I'll never forget what you told me. You basically said the, the voice is the most important thing. Being you is the most important thing, and you have to fight every single day for your voice. So let's, yeah. let's fast. So let's fast forward now to you know. It's, I think we're in January, right, Brent? We we go into the ESPN 690 studios, and the very first thing that I did as I walked in the studio for the very first time of being on the radio is I, I took out a sticky note and I and I, and I basically wrote the words "Be you," and that was, was always going to remind me that I have to fight for my voice no matter what and to be myself. And that's thanks to you, man. So I appreciate the advice, uh-huh. and I just want you to know that I'm still using that till today. Ah, that's really fantastic. I'm glad. You know why? I'll tell you this, Austin. No matter what you do in life, if you try to phony it up, it's like all these guys. One of the things that people have said about why haven't the guys who who came off Bill Belichick's staff, why haven't they been successful when they go out to be head coaches? Well, one of the reasons is I think a lot of them try to say, man, I learned so much from Bill. I admire Bill so much. They try to be Bill to some degree instead of being themselves. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying they, they totally phony themselves up or anything like that, but I think there's a way to take the lessons from Bill Belichick without actually trying to be Bill Belichick. And, and it's, it's the exact same thing with you. You just need to wake up every morning and be exactly who you are and then go on the air and have the opinions of Austin Lane, whoever you are. Not have the opinions to say, you know what, I watched Stephen A. Smith yesterday, and I really admire the way he just takes off after people. And I am going to be a cobra, or whatever. You, you know, it's a, it's not going to work. If you're a cobra, it'll work. But you can't <laughs> copy somebody else's style. You just have to have your own. Well, tough to duplicate your career. Peter King from Sports Illustrated to NBC, Monday morning quarterback, football morning in America. Congratulations on all the success. Five-time author, by the way, as well. And uh, I'll leave you with this. Go Red Sox, Peter. (laughs) Well, we'll see. They need to keep Mookie, but it sounds like it's going to be a little little shaky in that regard. But listen, great to be on with you guys. Call anytime. Really happy to to talk to you. Thanks a lot. We appreciate the time. Peter King. 
Check him out every week, of course, on Football Morning in America. And guy does a fantastic job. Great perspective on a lot of different topics. Yeah. And we'll revisit some of those. We'll do our picks in a bit. We're way up against it break time. <laughs> so uh, thanks for Scott hanging on there. And uh, as we enjoyed that conversation. Do want to go back to the studios right now. John Bachman, CBS 47, Fox 30, wants to share a special story. They've got coming up 5 o'clock on CBS 47 and Fox 30. What's up, Johnny Bachman? Hey, fellas. Wow, Peter King, you guys have arrived. That is impressive. <laughs> that was that, good stuff. That what it took? Is that what it took for you to finally admit that I've arrived? Yeah, that's it. That's what it took. <laughs> well, see, here's 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 what I'm thinking. Like we had Peter King as our starter, and now we just go to the bullpen. Oh, you know, we put up the signal, oh. and now we got Johnny Bachman, man, coming to close the show. So, oh, wow. I feel like we made it, man. Oh, buddy. Speaking of which, by the way, Mrs. Bell, Lane is one heck of a cook. You've both oh, been on the celebrity yeah. guest picker list. That's so. true. Oh, <laughs> there you go. oh, well, I got that with Peter King is what you're telling me, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Outstanding. I can go tell my friends. Um, listen, real quickly, you know, Peter was talking about being yourself, being you. I have a story coming up that I'm quite excited to share with you at 537 tonight on Action News Jacks, CBS 47, Fox 30 uh, at 5 o'clock, where uh, we t- I just got done talking to specialist Brian Wagner. He is a wounded warrior. He uh, was a 21-year-old Army specialist in Baghdad in 2007 when an IED exploded and blew up his Humvee. He was a gunner on the Humvee, lead Humvee in a, in a caravan. And he uh, endured 27 surgeries and eventually lost his right leg. And this guy was basically, you, you, you have that moment in your life where you can go one of two ways. And this guy has gone the way of positivity and motivation and you won't want to miss a story because uh he's an incredible person and um it's it's in he's he's talking because he's uh helping promote the carry forward 5k run tomorrow with wounded warrior project which uh, i get to help mc tomorrow morning and burrish by the way has supplied some perfect running weather it's going to be cold tomorrow morning uh but anyway uh, i get to be there with all these guys tomorrow and gals and um so it's it's really cool what they're doing it's a great uh program it's a great event but this story will knock your socks off and and it, and awesome. I, I i just can't wait for you guys to meet him I'm uh, looking forward to it. Uh, Veterans Day weekend, of course, and check out CBS 47, Fox 30, coming up tonight for the latest uh, news around Jacksonville, and that's fantastic story. John Bachman, have a good weekend, man. Hey, good luck you. to Iowa. Yeah, that's right. We need all the luck we can get. Um, thank you very much, and <laughs> thanks for squeezing me in, we guys. We do that by Iowa, Wisconsin, you know. Oh, I know. Yeah, we didn't do that trash one. Talk like for yeah, come seconds. on, hit me. Uh, I don't know, Brent. Wisconsin got beat by Illinois. I got nothing to say, dude. What do, what do you want me to tell you? Does either team get over twenty? Is what we were trying to figure. Ooh, that's uh, a good call. No, um, no, no, no. It's gonna. This is gonna yeah. be Iowa lost to Michigan ten to three, and that was, I believe, in Iowa. No, that was. Sure. I don't remember where it was, but anyway, they lost ten to three to Michigan. I'm gonna go that this is gonna be very similar. And here's the thing, Brent. If you're a fan of defense, if you're a fan of the meat and potatoes like I am, running the ball, stopping the run. Iowa, Wisconsin's the game. Forget the Alabama LSU game. Forget the high scoring and all these NFL prospects. I, I, I want a bunch of Midwestern corn fed guys that do things the right way, that are humble, that know how to play the game right. Give me Wisconsin, Iowa. John, I'll, I'll see you on uh, Saturday afternoon on Twitter and talk some smack. I to look you. forward to it. I look forward to it. And may the best three yards in a dust of whatever it is, the cloud of dust, uh, may the best team win. 
Amen to that. All I right. Don't see why you can't be you can score thirty six points and still be fundamental. It can happen. Yeah, uh, you'd I'd be surprised. Be a fundamental Brent. football player. You'd be All right, John Bachman, CBS forty seven, Fox thirty with Tanika Hughes, Mike Borish, and we'll join him live from Fleming Island High School right before our game of the week on TV at six fifty around Fox thirty. Thanks, man. Go Hawks. Uh, all right. <laughs> hey, just a reminder, we're live at Mr. Chubby's Wings. Catch all the football action here, starting with college football on Saturdays to the NFL Sunday ticket, of course, on Sundays. All out-of-market games shown right here at Mr. Chubby's Wings. Two locations. We're at the Fleming Island location. There's another one on the west side. i got to get my hands on some wings because I love them. I've been here about an hour and a half, and I haven't had any yet. So it's about time to do that. We're going to take a break, Scott. Good luck with all these breaks that I just missed. And I hope the bosses aren't listening. But we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, we're hanging out in Fleming Island this afternoon on a Friday. Hope you are heading into a nice weekend, everybody. Should be some cool temperatures. We've got a little rain to deal with tonight, but overall, I don't think it's too bad. Jaguars on a bye week, of course. Some big-time college football games tomorrow. CBS 47, the place to be, 3.30 for LSU and Alabama. Or maybe the place to be is right here at Mr. Chubby's Wings because you can catch all the football action starting with college football tomorrow, then the NFL Sunday ticket, all out-of-market games shown right here at Mr. Chubby's Wings. We just put our order in, by the way. Yes, we did. Maple Cajun. A lot. The, the I'll tell you right now, there's a lot in the line because you've talked this place up uh, a lot. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see if it's going to deliver. No, I have a feeling listen, it's going to. I saw I the don't wings lie. before. Right? I, I know you don't lie. I do not lie at all. So, Neither uh, does my stomach. So we'll we see. are hanging out at Mr. Chubby's Wings, Fleming Island, and Westside, the two locations. So come on out, say hello if you're in the area uh, near uh, Highway 17. Today, near Fleming Island, near Eagle Harbor. Used to live in Eagle Harbor. Mm-hmm. And uh, come on out, say hello. Of course, come by all weekend long or any day of the week. It's a big high school football day. That's one of the reasons we're here. Action Sports Jacks Game of the Week on ESPN 690 is Wakaiva against Fleming Island in Class 7A. Let's bring in Action Sports Jacks Stuart Weber right now. He's back in the studios, back from Ireland. Hope you had a good trip, London and Ireland, and uh, you made it back for the Blitz. That's the most important thing. That's right. It was uh, it, it was certainly a good trip. Uh, plenty of Guinness uh, overseas. <laughs> nice. You went to the factory, didn't you? I did. Uh, yeah, I always love going to the different you know breweries anywhere I go. I've done the Heineken one in Amsterdam. Now I've done the Guinness one. It, it was pretty cool. More of a self-guided tour, but uh, plenty of places you could stop and have a drink along the way. So it was uh, very educational. Staying hydrated Stuart, is important. It is important. Stuart, you spent some time in Ireland. Any chance you went to any uh, whiskey distilleries? Didn't end up going to the whiskey distilleries, mostly because I was driving for a good chunk of it. Driving, by the okay, way. that's smart. Uh, driving was challenging. And w- when people say, oh, you drove on the, the opposite side of the road, that's that's one only one part of it. I think the most challenging thing for me was the steering wheel being in the passenger seat of what we're used to. Because when you're driving down the street, you kind of have a an idea of where you are in the lane. But when you're in the other seat, it just throws that all completely off. So uh, I had a hard time keeping that car in the center of the lane simply because of my, you know, my viewpoint where I was in the right side. 
by the way, do you see my uh, kid's dad over there by any chance? Tyler and Kaylee's dad. I saw a lot oh. of people that look like your kids, so yes, it's a ver- very good chance that <laughs> I, I might have seen him over there. Uh, it was it was awesome, though. Uh, if you're ever over there, make sure to go to the Cliffs of Moore, uh, Ring of Kerry. Uh, two great scenic spots over there, and the weather was pleasant. Uh, you know, it was like 50 degrees, but it was nice for them. It was great. I feel a sense of responsibility to take my redheads to Ireland. Yes. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. I gotta do it. Right. No, you know what? Maybe you take him to Ireland, and maybe it's gonna have crazy effects on Ty, where he's gonna get a little bigger and stuff. Maybe just being back home and then that kind of environment is gonna boost something in him. Uh, maybe it's something. Yeah. Maybe it's something in the weeds. It can't hurt, bro. Potatoes right? and rugby, man. Hurt. Go ahead and get that kid a Guinness and see what happens. Oh, he'll come back. Oh, I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> he'll come okay, back wanting to play rugby and soccer. So I don't know if you want to do that. All right, uh, let's talk about it, man. We're here for Wakaiva, Fleming Island. Fleming Island undefeated in Class 7A, really the only hope in 7A for the local teams. Wakaiva's a good program. They've been around the last couple of years, deep runs into the postseason. Uh, their coach is, is there for the fourth year. They're young this season. We're going to talk about that on the broadcast. But they've got some talent. It's been an interesting matchup. And as always, Stuart, as you know, and these coaches know, you really don't know much about the opponent. I mean, you can look at film, but you can talk to other coaches. It's really hard until you get out there on a Friday night in the playoffs to really know too much about an opponent, unless it's someone you've already played or there's some common opponents that uh, they have played throughout the year. Yeah, no doubt. That's that's part of what makes this time of year when it comes to the high school football games pretty exciting is that you're seeing a lot of teams you don't know. And the way that the playoff seating now works, you got the four district champions are all home games, but usually those Four, five, and three, six matchups in the higher classifications end up being really good because the five and the six are the two highest at-large teams to have made it into the postseason. So they definitely earn their way in. Uh, in some cases, they might be the better team than the the actual home team simply because of the fact that you know they were in a stacked district. So it's always fun to see the six versus three, which is what Bukaiva Fleming Island will be tonight, and to see what that out-of-town team is able to do when they come and take on a district champion on their home turf all right the good news is we have a lot of local matchups local versus local the bad news is one of those teams will be eliminated what do you like tonight i mean it, there's there's some dandies right columbia Pontevedra, lee st augustine there's some really good matchups west side at parker i believe is another one of those uh what do you think tonight uh, will happen across the local landscape yeah you you just said the those first four that you just said with columbia Pontevedra, st augustine lee not only are those local versus local matchups but the winners of those two games face each other so Really, out of those four teams, one of them is definitely making it to the regional final, but we know for sure the other three from our area will not. So kind of a a four-local team battle to see who plays against possibly Dinellon, possibly Menendez even, some of those teams from Region 2 in in 6A, and see kind of who who comes out of it at the end. Uh, The other matchup that's local, you mentioned Westside at Reigns. Parker is home, by the way, as well. They've got Godby coming to town. Westside Reigns. You kind of think about past years and and how that might have gone. Well, this is a different year. Reigns went five and four. Westside, meanwhile, is a team that went eight and two. Really had a huge turnaround season. So it'll be very curious to see what the Wolverines are able to do as they take on the Vikings. And you know, there's a lot of local pride on the line. And another local one is Baldwin versus Episcopal. So there's really they got games all over the area. And just as a reminder for those fans of 
Bowles, West Nassau, University Christian. Your teams all made the postseason, but they were too good to play this week. They got a bye week, so they'll be playing <laughs> next week at home. Uh, so three more teams will enter the fray next week, in addition to our Georgia teams, which are still playing in the regular season. They have another week of the regular season before they kick off their playoffs, and we'll have a few of those teams make it as well. All right, Matt Stewart-Weber, a look around the high school scene. He's all over it. He's the guru, and uh, we'll have more of that tonight on the Friday Night Blitz, 1030 on Fox 30, 1120 on CBS 47, Fox 30. We'll follow everybody through the playoffs. Three more weeks of the Blitz, but then we'll continue to do that, uh, and we have a year-end award show called the Blitzies on CBS 47 and Fox 30, so a lot more high school football to come, including our Action Sports Shacks Game of the Week on ESPN 690, which will be Wakaiva against Fleming Island here tonight in Fleming Island. Thanks, man. Yeah, you got it. And this is this is the really challenging week for us on the TV side because we leverage our relationships with these other TV stations across the state and try to bring you as many of our local teams as we possibly can. So we shall see how that all pans out. But in addition to the games we're shooting locally, we've got six games potentially coming from all over the state involving our local teams. So we'll keep an eye on that, and hopefully everyone's on their A game tonight, and hopefully the rain stays away a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Weber's all over it. Stuart Weber from Action Sports Shacks and uh, in charge of our Friday Night Blitz. Have fun tonight. We'll talk to you a little bit later in our game of the week, most likely. Sounds good. All right, that's Stuart Weber. By the way, our coach of the week for this week, I'm going to do a co-winner Partly because i got to double-check. I believe we've had Daryl Sutherland win already once this year. But if we haven't, we should give it to him. So either way, we're going to have a co because two undefeated teams. Daryl Sutherland, Bartram Trail goes undefeated for the first time in school history. And uh, they are in a tough district in that Class 8A. Uh, tough classification in general, tough district locally, and they survive undefeated. So tremendous job by Daryl Sutherland and the Bartram Trail Bears. And also, how about Damian Springs out here uh, at Fleming Island, undefeated in Class 7A. So uh, a little co-winner of the Baker Sports Coach of the Week. Baker Sports homegrown, ready to help the home team look good on Friday nights and every night in any sport. They've been doing that since 1997. Screen print, embroidery trophies all done in-house right here in Jacksonville. Baker Sports get you ready for your big game, including tonight. Looking good so you can play good. Play ball with your team experts at Baker's Sports. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, a lot to get to still, including what's an update on Austin Lane's fight that's supposed to happen tomorrow well, night. I'm getting ready to eat about a two plates full of wings, so go ahead and figure it out for yourself. That might give you a hint. <coughs> Spoiler he, alert. He's trying to go up to the super heavyweight division. <laughs> Carb so loading. We'll give, uh, give you an update on that. What the, is the deal with the Trent Williams story? Yeah. We still have to get to LSU, Alabama a little bit more. Florida and Florida State and Georgia all back in action this weekend. So we got a lot to get to here on a Friday. We're hanging out at Mr. Chubby's Wings. Thanks for hanging out with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us here on a Friday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're hanging out in Fleming Island. There's our Action Sports Jacks game of the week tonight. The Golden Eagles against the Wakaiva Mustangs. That will take place at 7.30. So we'll just go right down the road after this. Kevin Sullivan will join me. And uh, we call a first-round playoff game in Class 7A. Really looking forward to it. It's been such a good time 
on the Action Sports Shacks Game of the Week on ESPN 690. If you've been able to check it out and tune in, we appreciate it. And uh, we're going to have some fun, not only tonight, but hopefully next few rounds of the postseason. We are live at Mr. Chubby's Wings here in Fleming Island, two locations, West Side and Fleming Island. By the way, it's bike night every third Thursday of the month. So every third Thursday of the month, live entertainment, great drink specials, good people, lots of fun, 6 to 9, and sponsored by Whole Shot Power Sports. We were just there oh, yeah. on Wednesday. I mean, we're like honorary members of Fleming Island. Absolutely. I don't know if you can be a member of Fleming Island. Uh, Maybe just the golf. I didn't sign anything, here. and I'm definitely not playing golf. But, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I'm an honorary member here. But it's been a big week for us. It has been Fleming a big Island. week. So uh, the, the folks at Whole Shot Power Sports were awesome, and uh, they sponsor that bike night. Maybe we just go pick up a bike from them, yeah. drive on over to Mr. Chubby's Wings yeah. on a Thursday night. Well, and, and here it is, Brent. And I'm a little disappointed in you because when it comes to these wings, I feel like you undersold them a little bit. Now, yes, like you, 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 you have said how good they are. And listen, I'm not getting paid for this, all right? I'm just, I'm, I'm a wing connoisseur, if you will. And let's be honest, if you call yourself Mr. Chubby's Wings, you better deliver. And for lack of a better word, we had the maple what? Maple, maple Cajun. Maple Cajun. Um, I'm about six wings, seven wings deep right now, and so far they're delivering. That's all i got to say about it. They, they're delicious. They are awesome. Yeah. I, I say it in the commercial. And the spot that I do, yeah. that I we really like reached out. I I was sitting here. Mm-hmm. I had them on west side on the west side. Yep. After Kaylee's softball tournament, and I've had them before, but it had been a couple years. And so I have my west side, and then we come here because Kaylee's friend lives in Fleming Island. So within 72 hours, yeah, I had Chubby's wings on a, I think on a Saturday and then a Monday. And on Mondays it's 50 cent wing now. Can't Didn't even it. realize that. Yeah, yeah. We were coming over, and so I had it again, and I'm like, Steph. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, to, I'm Tomorrow I'm going to call the owner and yeah. just tell him, we'd like to get you on, and I want to endorse it because <laughs> I love him. Yeah. So that's what I did. And, and here uh, we are. Here we are. Yeah. Now, Justin Rollins big part of that. Oh, He's yes. hanging out. Yeah, yeah. Give uh, him some credit as well. Creekside football staff, part mm-hmm. of, also part of our Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 sales staff. So uh, that's why we're here at Mr. Chubby's Wings, uh, Will and the gang, and they do a great job and have a lot of fun different nights. So uh, come on out to Mr. Chubby's Wings, and I'm trying to get them get another location too. Oh, for One, sure. One like right next to the station. Yeah, or just <laughs> right next to my place. It would be, would be great well, as well. I could walk enough. over. I mean, it yeah, be. it's not bad. I mean, hey, I, I could get it. Beggars can't be choosers, but um, I definitely see more of these wings in my life now. So. I'll have to make a couple adjustments, a couple plans in my uh, weekly schedule here, Brent, but we're going to make it happen. Let's, uh, this Trent Williams story we have not talked about, but we had somebody write in yesterday said, I can't wait to hear you guys talk about this and what does yeah. Austin think about the Trent Williams story. And the Trent Williams story is bizarre, right? Yep. I, he has issue with the way they handled his medical stuff. He wants out. Mm-hmm. He holds out. They won't trade him. They don't want to trade him. They still stink. And now all of a sudden they're not going to pay him after they put him on IR. Now, this is a bizarre story. Almost too much to kind of put my all, all my arms around it. But I, I would just say this from the outside looking in on this story, not being a beat writer for the Redskins, but just kind of following along. I feel like the Redskins are doing Trent Williams dirty in this whole deal. It's, it's a sense of that for me. I don't know how you look at this. Oh, no, without a doubt, I'm listening. And, and, and I'm going to go nuclear in a second on the Redskins here. But before I do that, let's go ahead and s- set the scene real quick of it, what exactly transpired. Because, I mean, let's be honest, for everything that's uh, incurred with Trent Williams, a lot of people don't really know what's going on with him, right? He's, 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 a, he's a former All-Pro left tackle, but I think, I think the story hasn't really been told that well. So let's go back to the story real quick. Last season, Trent Williams, you know, um, former All-Pro, uh, book and left tackle, 
uh, he had a what it was is it was like a growth removed from his head. Mm-hmm. And the Redskins medical staff told Williams that he should wait to get the growth removed after the season. It was during the season. Well, Williams, you know, opted not to because he was worried about his health, as he should, being a, being a human being. And he kind of went against the grain, went against the Redskins training staff and said, no, I'm going to get a second opinion on this and probably get it removed. He gets the second opinion, and the growth turns out to be precancerous. Now, thankfully, they, they got it in time where, you know, the, I, th- I think it's healed now. And, you know, as far as the cancer is concerned, he's in the clear. But it's one of those things where if he wouldn't have got a second opinion, if he would have finished out the season and took the advice of the Redskins medical staff, who knows where he would be right now. So th- that's, what, that's how this whole story started. Well, then he chose to skip minicamp, ch- chose to miss OTAs because he basically wanted the, the whole staff fired. And this wasn't a guy who went the Antonio Brown route and was on Twitter going on these rants. This was very quiet. Doing these videos. No, he just simply felt like, you know, he was he lost the trust of, of the training staff. He didn't want to be in Washington anymore. And he basically came out and said, either you fire the, the, the training staff of the Washington Redskins or I'm not playing. Simple as that. Well, Washington didn't take his advice. He chooses to sit out. And now we're here, Brent. Now we're to a guy where... Basically, just he, he he wants to be a human being. He wants to make sure that he's healthy, and he doesn't trust the people that he works with. So I, I don't blame him, and, and, and he's going about this the most professional way. While he's not dragging the Redskins underneath the mud, he hasn't come out and you know spoken out against the management or how he's being treated. This is a guy who just basically has voiced his concern with his agent under the table, and he hasn't got the results that he's desired. Now, what does Washington do? Because Trent Williams hasn't been playing the whole season. Washington, in turn, goes ahead and says, oh, very cool. You want to play for us? Check this out. We're going to go ahead and basically put you on the medical IR. And what that means is the fact that you're not playing football anymore, so you're not getting paid. And even though you're on the IR, it's a special exempt list, so now you're not getting paid at all. So you're making $0 for for your situation. And it's like you said, Brent, I can't see a scenario where Washington comes out – looking like the good guys, you know, and this falls on Dan Snyder, this falls on the GM, this falls on the coach, this falls on everybody, and guess what, either some changes need to be made of that coaching staff in that front office, because this this is not right, and I'm sure Williams eventually will go to court, and you'll get his money, don't worry about that, like, this isn't the, the end of that, there's going to be a grievance and everything, there'll be an appeal process, but Williams, in my mind, will get paid, the NFLPA will make sure of that, but Washington is not doing themselves any favors as a team where, hey, if you're a free agent, come to Washington because we'll take good care of you. BS, absolutely not. So things got to change, Brent, because this is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, this is kind of an unusual story, although if you read up on it a little bit, there are a lot of uh, players that get put on these kind of lists mm-hmm. that do get paid and some don't get paid. Uh, that's the story. But I think it's bigger than that. It's it's the bigger it, nature of, well, that medical staff, right? Yeah. And really the organization. The Washington Redskins organization. People talk about the New York Knicks as just plummeting as an organization. Now, from their net worth standpoint, they're not. But they are about as irrelevant as you can get, especially being a New York team and being the New York freaking Knicks. They're irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And there are teams that we've seen fall into the abyss of irrelevancy. But we're talking about a proud Super Bowl, Joe Gibbs, John Riggins, way back, uh, you know, team that goes back decades and decades. If you go to Washington five years ago, they're tailgating at 7 a.m., man. Yeah. Now you can't even get anybody in the place to watch a game. Snyder's been an awful owner on so many different levels. They are 
they just seem like they don't know what is going on. And it's it looks like an organization that just is having trouble figuring it out. And well, this is just the latest thing from a player standpoint. You know, what players will look at here, you talk about free agency. Yeah. And that will be a thing, I believe. Now, I always say this, money talks at the end of the day. If I give you $20 million and every other team's going to give you $17 million, you're probably coming to $20 million, You'll take your chances in the Washington Redskins organization. But I do yeah. think if things are even, I think they're having they're going to have a hard time keeping some people or getting some people. Yeah, and listen, they're not doing anything. Like I think the whole situation in general where they didn't at least take, you know, I think the best thing would have been for Williams' situation is if you're the front office of the Washington Redskins, you come out and say, we understand that Williams had that cancerous growth in his head. We, we looked into it. You know, we talked to our training staff, and we found out a solution. You know, come up with a, a solution and show that you have faith in your players. By not saying anything, you're basically giving the middle finger to the NFL players of your team. And you're saying, you know what, you're our, you, you, you work for us, but we don't respect you enough. And this isn't the first situation. This is the biggest one because he is the, he's the household name, Brent. He is a big player. But the same thing has happened in New York with uh, Assemble, if I'm not mistaken. The, 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 oh, the, yeah, the, the Jets. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 this was a guy who said he Question can't play. Yeah, yes. where yeah. this is a guy who went to his medical staff, you know, who's supposed to have his back. We always preach in the NFL, what, is, what do they have their best interest? It's the player's health. It's the player's mental and physical health. That's what the Shield preaches. Well, this player goes to his medical staff and says, listen, there's something wrong with my shoulder. I can't play. I have to have surgery. And what does the medical staff tell him in New York? No, we think you still can play. You're going to be all right. What does he do? He gets a second opinion, and it finds out that basically his labrum is torn off the bone, and he has to get surgery immediately. And this is a team with the New York Jets who just wanted to squeeze every single dollar that they could regarding or disregarding a player's health. And this is starting to be a trend right now in the NFL, and it is a bad trend, and something needs to be done about it. I, uh, I do believe, and we don't know. At the end of the day, it all looks like this, and so that's not a good thing. But I, you never really know the inner workings, the underbelly of this stuff. How did it get to this point? You know, what were there? It was a player and his agent, and was it? You know, the team's never going to look good in this. Is my point? Yeah. But there could be some more stuff because it just is. It's a bit unusual now, right? I mean, because everybody knows what you just said. Player safety, got to be aware of that. You don't want liability, all those things. Now you don't want to be taken for a ride either as an organization. But you're really putting yourself out there when you talk about these two situations, Assembly and now Trent Williams. And keep in mind, Williams, that was a guy that they were adamant wasn't on the trade block. Yeah. Like, they could have got him out of there and got something in return. Yep. This guy's, what is he, seven-time Pro Bowler? Yeah, I, I believe so. he's still relatively yep. young for that position? Yeah. He's, he's one of the best left tackles in the game, Brent. You know? It, yeah, it's, it's and, uh, there's something amiss there. But it feels like if you look at the organizations again... And I think the Jets have been bizarre, yeah, right? Correct. And the Redskins have been bizarre and, and, and unorganized, not successful. Throw your word out there. Yeah. But they just, they've been bad. And, it, and you're not seeing this stuff happen with the Seattle Seahawks or with the Patriots. No. Or, I don't know, name your, name your organization that seems like it's pretty well run and, and things are going well. And, They're having and success. Yeah. And I'm not saying it correlates just to success. I'm yeah. saying we're talking now about with the Redskins and the Jets over 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. There's nothing going right for those sure. organizations. Exactly. And I guess what baffles me the most is, Brent, is like you, you mentioned those cultures like the Seattle, uh, San Francisco now is having you know a lot of wins. Um, and, of course, the Patriots for, for the past decade or and change here. But what baffles me about the Jets and the Redskins situation, more primarily the, the Redskins situation, is the fact that 
if you look at and we talk about it all the time, Brent, the, the modern era NFL player. Right, like one of the biggest things that you know you can attribute to them is the fact that they're very self-aware. They care about their health. If something's wrong, they're going to speak out about it. And when you go about business and you're not listening to your players and you're saying get out there and play or don't go see a second opinion, even though if you have some kind of precancerous lump on your head, when you say those things, it's like I said, you're just basically giving a middle finger to the modern era NFL player. And you can do that all you want, but good luck with that because guess what? Eventually, it's going to be nothing but the modern era NFL player. There's not going to be a seasoned vet like Trent Williams who's going to do this under the table. He's not going to rip you in social media. He's not going to go on ESPN. He's not going to go on you know uh, Fox Sports and blast the organization for how they did him dirty. He's not doing that because he's an older school guy. Start doing it to the newer school guys and see what happens. I think it's interesting to, that we're coming up on the CBA because stories like this, stories like Antonio Brown, stories where we're pushing basically players against organizations, Yeah, it, it looks like. Mika Fitzpatrick wanted out of Miami. Got it, right? To Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, well, Jalen Ramsey here in Jacksonville, right? Got yeah. his way. All those kind of stories, and they're all different. They're, they're unique. But they kind of have the same foundation, organization versus player, with a new CBA, and it could be a big-time battle in the next couple of years. Very interesting. Hey, you want to win tickets to go to Journey next August 24th? We've got a couple for you right now, 904-362-9901 or Star Star 690. 904-362-9901 or Star Star 690. Caller number three, and you've got yourself some tickets to Journey next August 24th. We'll be back for Mr. Chubby's Wings live on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And we're talking about the word viability. Next. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Welcome back to Mr. Chubby's Wings. We are live in Fleming Island. Two locations for Mr. Chubby's Wings here in Fleming Island and on the west side. And the Maple Cajun Wings living up to the hype. And it's not just the Maple Cajun Wings. There's a lot of them that are fantastic. Uh, those might be my favorite, though. Congratulations to Wade Roberts, our journey ticket winner for this Friday. Coming up, we discuss a word that's been pretty hot amongst Jags fans in just a moment. But before we do that, Scott, let's hit the happy hour horn on a Friday and send everybody into a weekend. Drink, get a shot, tip your starts. I know Cap's hanging on the line, dancing away to that song right there. Vita DeLuise <laughs> recently got a 98 rating, and uh, you should check it out. Vita DeLuise, tequila beta right here in Jacksonville. 
or a locally owned tequila right here in Jacksville, made in Tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Luis Tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste. VitaDeLuis.com for more information, three new flavors, where to get Vita de Luis. All you have to do is go to VitaDeLuis.com. Update on your fight. Yeah. You're eating wings, that means it's not happening? Well, to be fair, I could still eat wings and fight. <laughs> That's not a big deal at all. But no, t- tomorrow at the Morocco Shrine, I will not be fighting, unfortunately. Um, you know, it was kind of a long story, but short, long story short, I uh, didn't have an opponent. opponent kind of backed out. So do not have a fight tomorrow, but it's still a great card. I have a bunch of teammates that are going to be fighting on that card, so I'll still be there. But as far as me getting in the cage tomorrow, it's not going to happen. I've got a guy on the line right now that probably wants to fight you. He might oh, do why? It. Well, why what not? did I say? I mean, he might do it. He might bring it, bring out the fists. Okay. Uh, we'll see. Come on Let's if you're welcome coming. In. You know, when we started the show, we wanted to bring in the brigade. So we've done that over the uh, a little bit here and there over the first year of the show. Well, let's bring in the brigade right now, Bold City Brigade, the man that is behind it all, really, with uh, a lot of help. But uh, Bold City Cap, John, Cap, what do you kids call you, by the way, man? Uh, they just call me Dad. <laughs> I guess that's good. Can I get you in a cage with Austin? I mean, how much would it take? Uh, like, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering how the, this is This is already starting out that way. Uh, <laughs> first, I was dancing to the music, and I was wondering, like, is Brent here with me right now? Because I was really kind of head-bobbing to the, to the jam there with, with the tequila. <laughs> and next thing I know, I have to start to stop head-bobbing because i got to get ready for a fight in the octagon, I guess. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> that head-bobbing will serve you well, though. That's your bob and weave. you got to duck for the left and the right, man. It helps. You're not wrong. Well, hey, you kind of took off the boxing gloves a little bit this week. And, uh, you know, Cap and, and so many of the Bold City Brigade are diehard Jags fans, and so we always wanting to give that point of view. So when this discussion came up, and I know you have a new podcast out. By the way, I've got enough people that I like that I'm trying to beat day to day. I don't need more competition, Cap. <laughs> uh, well, hey, listen, you know, it, it's uh, uh, I don't have a radio show like like you gentlemen, so uh, it's a good way for for us to get our kind of thoughts out there on the you know into the uh, into the air. Airways, if you will, and ultimately, it's just a, it's a good time. I get together with a couple of buddies, and we started. Bold Saber Games been around for eight years now. We've never had a podcast, so I guess it's uh, better late than never. Yeah, it's cool. It's at Bold City Pod or uh, Bold City Pod, right? Uh, is uh, where you can find it. Subscribe to it. I have, and I listened to you guys a little bit. Now, the one thing here, either Scott's got to get the drop button ready, or you're going to have to be a little careful with your language. Uh, I think I can manage. I mean, I, I've done this before with you gentlemen, and, and, I, and I didn't slip up. So uh, it's more of a voluntary than an involuntary thing. So we're good. Uh, all right. Uh, here's the deal. This all centers around the Jags fans got a little, um, well, they they got a little ticked off at yeah. Shad Khan's comments over the weekend on Jaguars.com. Uh, and the word viability comes to mind. That's where you have kind of pushed out there, right? And we looked up the definition. Definition of viability, ability to work successfully. Simple as that. But what does that word mean to you, uh, Cap, in terms of what the Jags have done in London, trying to do in London, trying to do here in Jacksonville? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny that it's kind of taken on a, you know, a life of its own as far as that word. Uh, and we use it a little bit now in jest, whereas I think at first it was uh, it, it was kind of a, a word that they were using to really speak strongly about the sustainability of this franchise and this market, right? And and ultimately, 
it's become this thing now that just kind of hangs over our head. And it feels like perpetually we've had that going on over the last decade, right? I mean, in some way, shape, or form, whether it was L.A. or London or ownership change, that you could use a million different words, but something has been hanging over our heads as far as the fan base here locally. And it is frustrating. It's frustrating. And, you know, it feels like every year we get it twice a year. We get it with the state of the franchise. And, and you know, there's a lot of narrative that comes out of that as far as the sustainability and viability here locally. And then we get it during London week. Inevitably, Shad uses some sort of language in some interview that he does that, uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways it's probably him applying some leverage and some pressure. Uh, but it, it ultimately it comes back and the people who really care about it are the diehard fans. And it's just never awesome to hear. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. And that's got uh, everybody a little bit fired up uh, this week. How much of this do you think is aimed at the fans? The diehard fans, or how much of this is more power play business, uh, all of that kind of stuff? I mean, dollars and cents that anybody who runs a business, uh, also with with so much on the line in the city, it feels like in terms of development with Shad Khan's involvement with this current uh, regime, in terms of the mayor and the city council and everything else, and it feels like the time is now. So, how much do you think is kind of pointed at that part of it versus? maybe the fans, whether the fans take it personal or not. Right, and, and that's kind of what I allude to. I say, you know, as far as him applying a little bit of leverage, I think that ha- has a lot to do with it. Uh, unfortunately, that kind of back-channel stuff isn't what everybody talks about on the radio, like you guys or other shows or even national shows on TV or radio. And so it just it, it tends to snowball, and the narrative uh is perpetuated by the constant application of that leverage, if you will, right? I mean, by Sean coming out and saying words that may well be more so pointed at the, uh, you know, the, the local business base or politicians, it still affects the fans, right? I mean, because we're the ones who ultimately have to hear about how our, our team may lose another game to London. And this is the first time really in a while that he's come out and he seemed frustrated about the viability of the market, right? I mean, to even say that he's not sure if there's the appetite for eight games, um, you know, that's what really I think got a lot of us frustrated because we feel like we're, okay, you want to have a conversation about appetite. You want to have a conversation about viability. We need to have the full conversation, right? And, and, and the full conversation right now is not being had. And where does that take you? Uh, John's with us uh, at Bold City Cap, uh, you know, really – can I call you like founder of the Bold City Brigade? Is that yeah, one of the founders? Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sure. And I, I know there's a lot of people involved, so I want to make sure I give credit where credit is due. But uh, at, follow him at Bold City Cap on uh, on Twitter. So yeah, what that last thing you just said, you know, what is the full conversation? Well, it, in it's, I'm, I'm glad you asked it, kind of, and you phrased it in that in that way because let me preface the part that I'm frustrated about. Let me preface that with saying I think anybody who really cares about this team understands the challenges of this small market, right? And, and no, one's saying, no one's saying that we should ignore those. No one's saying that those don't exist in some capacity. All that people like myself are saying, and they, I guess the folks that, that I'm speaking for, 
uh, more publicly lately. What we're saying is there's another element to that, right? And and that element is the product that has been put out there on the field, right? We're talking about it's a business, it's a business, it's a business. Well, I don't know many businesses that could fail as much as they are on the field, right, with their ultimate product that are a sustainable business. And that part of it has very little to do with the fans. And now, don't get me wrong, I don't expect Shaq Khan to come out and say, hey, we've been terrible, and that's part of the problem with uh, the viability. But he's 36 and 85. That's his record, less than 300% winning percentage since he took over as owner. And, and there, you know, we had years before he took over that were just as bad. So that should all enter into the conversation ultimately. And the Jaguars, they, they tend to, to gloss over that a little bit, in my opinion, right? I'm just speaking for myself here. And, and, and they want to come out and they want to say, hey, look, we understand. Mark Lamping has said it. Shot Khan said it. We understand that we have to put a better product out there. Well, why don't we wait to have the viability conversation and, until they do their part, right? I mean, that's, that's my question is, why do we have to keep having this viability conversation and you haven't even done your part yet? And I get the, the, the ultimate answer to that is it's his team, quote unquote, and, you know, and he's the owner. But I, I just feel like it's, it's an incomplete conversation and it's a bit disingenuous for him to even get so frustrated at, as he seemed to be a little bit this week. Um, it, it, when we're even more frustrated as fans and the people here who were here long before him as well. So that, that's that's kind of where we're coming from. And, Cap, I thought that you brought up some great points, man. This is Austin Lane, by the way. Good to hear from you, dude. And um, when, when, when Shad Khan said his comments, and listen, um, if, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a casual Jaguars fan. I didn't grow up here my entire life. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily a hardcore Jaguars fan. I want to see him do well. But I can see where Shad Khan talking about another game in London, I mean, that's basically a direct jab at you guys for not showing up for the attendance. And I think if you're Shad Khan, you win two ways as the owner. Any owner in the NFL wins two ways. Number one, he wins by making money. He he wins by the profit margins. And number two, he wins by, obviously, on the field. He wins by going to the playoffs, going to AFC Championship games, going to the Super Bowl. So when we're attacking that standpoint of winning games, you're absolutely right. They've had one great season as far as I can remember. Even when I played, like, the attendance wasn't good. And you know what? I I don't blame the Jaguars fans because we weren't fun to watch. I mean, I I, I know firsthand how bad we were, right? And that's carried on. And it's all about consistency because, yes, you, you can say that the AFC Championship year, uh, it was exciting. You know, when, we, when Jacksonville hosted the Buffalo Bills, I mean, the, the crowd was electric. You know, you had the Buffalo fans there, the Jaguars fans there. It was a great time to be a Jaguars fan. But it wasn't consistent. And then people want to say, well, let's go to the, 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 the Jets game a couple weeks ago. You know, this was, quote-unquote, Minshew's maybe last start in a long time. You know, and the whole Minshew mania thing. But even at that time, it wasn't necessarily like, well, you know, the Jaguars are being consistent. Yes, they, they beat the Jets, and they should have beat the Jets. The Jets are a horrible team. But in my eyes, it was the fact that there's still not a lot of hype around this city. There's still not a lot of optimism just because I think fans think it's going to be another, you know, five and whatever year. So on the field, yes, Shad Khan is losing right now. And the last thing an owner of an NFL team is going to do, because let's be honest, in, in the hierarchy of needs, it starts with the owner. The owner hires the front office, the front office brings in the players, and the players play on the field. 
Shad Khan's not going to come out and say, you know what, maybe I hired the wrong guys to steer the helm, because he's not going to admit that he was wrong. That's not what a smart businessman does. You're never going to stand up in front of a crowd that you run, basically, and say, I was wrong. So on the field, he's losing. Now, it comes to the part of making money, right? And, and that's where the issue is. Shad Khan didn't grow up in Jacksonville. You know, Shad Khan... I think he has the Jaguars' best interest in mind, obviously. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the almighty dollar. And as a fan, you may say, well, he's making millions and millions of dollars. But from his standpoint, it's not enough. Because at the end of the day, all that matters to him as a businessman, as an owner, is the margins. And if he sees margins are better you know, in London than they are in Jacksonville, that's his prerogative. And while the fans may hate on it, and listen, I'm, and I'm one of you, like, I don't want to see the Jaguars play two games in London. I think that would be horrible. But I can see where Shad Khan's coming from, from straight being a businessman. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there, there's a you, you make a lot of great points. Uh, I think that I agree with most of them. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily convinced that a guy who has tons of business interests all around the world got into the NFL to, to make money, um, number one. Number two, uh, but I also realize that he's not in the NFL to lose money. So when you really look at it in that prism, the conversation sort of revolves around one thing, okay? The Jaguars right now are valued as the 23rd most value, valuable franchise in the NFL, right? Uh, so there's nine other franchises that are considered less valuable than the Jaguars. And that's ultimately what these – these guys aren't they, – they want to sit there and spit at the state of the franchise. Oh, this is operating revenue. This is where we rank. This is where we rank. And all of those things are important. What's really important is how how valuable is the franchise, right? I mean, that's why they talk a lot about that stuff. And the, the franchise has become more and more valuable with a lot of the moves that he's made. Now, London is a part of that. Let's not ignore that, right? I mean, the, the revenue they're generating over there is important. But there are 12 other teams, according to Forbes, in, in 2018, there were 12 other teams that generated less rav- revenue than the Jaguars. So 23rd most valuable, 12 other teams, so they're 20th in revenue that they're generating, operating revenue. So when you look at it like that, the question really becomes is, is that good enough for Khan? It's not, is it viable? Because the team's making money. So it, the question really is, it has to be framed as, is that good enough for Shad Khan? Because it's good enough for Terry Pagula up in Buffalo, right? They're the 32nd ranked franchise value-wise, according to Forbes. Not according to me, according to Forbes. That's good enough for him. He's made the commitment. He's not talking about wanting to move the team potentially or move multiple games. It's okay. He's okay with saying, I'm a multi-billionaire. Now, the question is, is Shad Khan okay with it? And none of us can answer that question. But let's at least frame it properly, right? It's not necessarily whether Jacksonville can support a team because the sample size we have is when the team has been pretty good and the product's been decent, this city more than supports the team. So it's, it's about the narrative and how it's framed, and, and that's the frustrating part. That's all. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah, and, and Kev, I completely agree with you, man. And at the end of the day, all that matters, in my opinion, is the product on the field. And if the product on the field is not worth watching, then people aren't going to come. Like, I think Shad Khan came into the situation, and granted, it was, it was, it was some of the dark times in Jacksonville history uh, in terms of record. I think Shad Khan came in as a visionary and said, you know what? We're going to have the world's largest scoreboard. We're, we're going to put the pools in the stadium. And, like, those kind of gimmicks will get people into the stadium regardless of what's going on right now on the field. And maybe for a couple games it did.
But at the end of the day, whether you want to talk about the Green Bay Packers, who they don't have the gimmicks, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they don't have the gimmicks, but you know what? They have a history, they have a culture of winning football games. And that's all that matters to me. You know, you can go ahead and change the jerseys a million times. You can go ahead and bring in a new coach and all of a sudden say, you know what, let's get rid of the two-tone helmets because that, that was a dark history in Jacksonville. Let's get a new jersey combination, a new helmet, and let's promote, you know, a new growth in Jacksonville. Well, what happened? You're still losing football games. So at the end of the day, I feel like the gimmicks are just that. They're gimmicks, and they're great, and they add to the stadium, and it maybe helps downtown. But if you're not winning football games, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, what are we even doing here, really? That's that's the question. And ultimately, uh, the message that I've just kind of been putting out into the universe this week is, is essentially this. If we want to have the viability conversation, let's, you know, do your part, Jaguars, in producing some consistently competitive teams for a little while. And if this market doesn't support it, both from a sponsorship and a business standpoint and from a ticket buying, you know, your average ticket buyer, then we have our answer. We haven't really ever been able to kind of have a litmus test for that. It's been almost 20 years since we've had back-to-back playoff appearances. You know, I mean, so when you look at it like that, it's not quite as simple as, well, I just don't think the appetite is there. Well, we brought in the break. Yeah, yeah. We're bringing in the brigade for this conversation. Uh, viability, the hot word uh, amongst the fans this week. Jaguars fans, uh, Bold City Brigade, Bold City Cap. John joined us uh, here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin along with Austin Lane. Hey, listen, it, it's, it's interesting to hear you guys go back and forth and talk. I want to, I, I got so many questions, really. I want to ask you real quick were you surprised? Because I am going to be honest and admit that I was that there weren't more people there against the Jets. Jags are 3-4. and four. Minshew Mania might be the final time to see him given the full circumstance. And, and again, this is an isolated thing. I'm just being honest and saying I was a little, for the first time, and I don't hammer the fans. I've got season tickets, all that stuff. But I was like, man, I thought there would be more people here today, and there really aren't. Do you think they yeah, see a, that as something? Do you think his comments might have had something to do with that because it's a week later? Maybe there was a little frustration over that. I'm sure. I, I, you know, first of all, to answer your question directly, uh, yes, I was. I guess I was a little surprised by it. But you know, when you spend as much time in my seats in that stadium as I have over the years, it's ebbed and flowed a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, what we can really do is. Go back to 2017, and when it looked like the team was kind of for real towards that later half of the season, the place was rocking. I, I recall the 4 o'clock game against the, the Seahawks. Seahawks, yeah. And Seahawks are not a team that really, you know, they're, they don't have a bunch of fans over here in the Jacksonville area, so there's not a lot of Seattle transplants. So it, that stadium was packed, and it yeah. was rocking, and it was 99.9% Jaguar fans. So you want to talk about, like, what goes on when there's a decent product. We saw it. Like, that's the most recent example of it and the city kind of coming out and believing. Now, it takes a little while because we've been burned so long. I don't blame people. And I think the Jets game specifically, it was looking like rain all day. And, you know, why do you want to go out there and watch a team that barely beat the Bengals? And, you know, I, I understand people's uh, feelings like that. And, and I don't necessarily blame the fan base anymore. I think the onus has got to be on the, the, the club, the organization, to put a decent product together that is competitive 
for a few years at a time, and and yeah. then we'll really see what the viability. Yeah, and I, and I think that's, and I'm not blaming the fans either. I will just be, I just want to readily admit that I was a little surprised. I thought the place would yeah. be a little bit more jumping because of Mitchu more so than anything. We haven't felt like that, and you can feel that in the city. You can feel it across the country. I was a little bit surprised. Uh, I, 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 you brought up Seattle, and it's. I want to ask you this question, Cap. And I've thought about this a little bit, and I don't know if I know the full answer, but I believe. Well, you know me. I'm Sunshine and Rainbows guy, so I, I believe I know the answer. 2017 was awesome. 2007 was off the charts. You know, Cap, your kids go to school or, or anybody's kids in town go to school. My kids go. Everybody's wearing JAG shirts for the sure. first time since I moved here. Mm-hmm. In 2017, that would have been almost a decade. People are wearing JAG shirts everywhere, grocery store, to school. Everybody's talking about it. I'd be like, Ty, people talk about it at school? Yeah, every time at lunch, you know? Yeah. All those kind of conversations. That's what winning does. So my question is, if the Jags won like Seattle, say for three, four, five years, because remember now, Seattle was a dumpster fire mm-hmm. for a long time. Seattle was nothing. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they win for a few years, and then look at that place, right? It's renowned. It's like, holy cow, look at that place. It's like that's been like that for two decades. Well, it hasn't been. That's relatively new. So my question, Cap, is if they win for three or four years, do you think it might not have to be Seattle, but is the bank rocking? Every Sunday, wins and losses, or even four or five years down the road, you might go through an eight and eight year. Do you think that place is packed more than the forty to fifty thousand that that are hardcore right now? You know, the most honest answer I can give you is we don't know, Brent, because <laughs> it's been so long. You know what I mean? Like we really don't know, and that's part of the issue with this narrative that emerges. We don't know. Now, if, what do I believe personally? I believe it will be because you just hit the nail on the head. There's forty to 45,000 to 50,000 somewhere in that neighborhood of diehard people who have been there, you know, game in and game out for the past 25 years, no matter what. Uh, and, you know, Blaine Gabbert, Blake Bortles, Todd Bauman, who, whoever's been taking the helm, those people have been there. Now, we got to add another 15,000 to that. Would a few years of sustained winning add that many people? I, I like to think so. I really do. And, and if the answer is no, then, then again, we have our answer, right? I mean, th- then take three games to London. Take them all. Like, it's at least justified at that point from the fan support angle. I got you. Uh, let me ask you this part, and, and um, as we continue this conversation uh, with John and, and Bold City Cap on Twitter at Bold City Cap, uh, part of the Bold City Brigade, and trying to get the fan voice on this whole topic. It, it's a fascinating topic. There are a lot of branches to it, and and I love this topic. I I enjoy this. This is. I come from New England, and I try to tell this story all the time. The Patriots were blacked out when I was a kid. I grew up a Dolphins fan because the Patriots were blacked out. You have to remember that Patriots stunk until. Mm-hmm. Parcells and then Bledsoe and then they build the new stadium and Kraft and Brady and Belichick and bam, look what happens, you know. The other part of the, the Jags is they're 25 years young. That is not old in terms of the stuff you were talking about, well, Austin, in terms of trying to win for a long time, the traditions of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, you know, Cap's age group and, and the people that are in the Bold City Brigade are that young group that came up loving the Jags, liking the Jags. My kids are a part of that, but they need to feel the fever with W, so I get it. Well, exactly. If you want to compare 25 years, then compare it to the Carolina Panthers, where I think the Carolina Panthers right now, their fan base, and, the, and I'm not sure their ticket sales, I don't know all their now numbers. Now listen, I was in Carolina, and I cap, I think you guys were too. That place, they yep. had Steve Smith being honored. Nobody was there in that game in Charlotte for Carolina, and they might have the league MVP in Christian McCaffrey. Interesting. 
Yeah, they, their difference is they have PSLs, Austin. You know what I mean? So the tickets uh, are technically sold, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it, from a fan support perspective, uh, they're not any, any more rabid or, you know, educated. Or you know, I'd put our fan base overall up against a lot of them in the league. And, and, Brent, you hit the nail on the head when you just referenced the younger kids. Like my generation, people who are in their mid to late 30s, early 40s, we, we remember what it was like to be good. Uh, you know, and, and Wayne Weaver kind of coined the phrase way back when of generate, you know, generation Jaguar, the, the, the age group that grew up with the team. And we just had to make it to where they bought tickets. Well, now the problem is we've had 15 years over the last 15 years, as I've kind of grown into adulthood and started a family, there's a whole section of kids right now that are going into high school or going to college that don't remember this team ever being good, really. And so I call them the lost generation. Now, who's fault? Now, who is that on? That's not on the market. That's not on the fan base. The reality of that is it's a, it's a young franchise that's done a really, really, really poor job of putting a decent product, not even a winning product, just a decent, competitive, entertaining product on the field for the better part of 15 years. And, and, and so, again, if we're going to have the conversation, this is a part of that conversation. And, and there really is a lost generation. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I was doing a little work on this, and I know, Cap, you've done a good job with some of the research and some of the numbers, but I think there are eight organizations that haven't even been to an AFC or NFC championship game since 1996. Think about oh, that. Yeah. There are eight other ones. Yet it feels like the Jags, now we're living it, but it feels like the Jags are in these kind of conversations a lot. Like, what about, I mean, the Jets are in New York, I get it, but, I mean, the Bengals. I mean, we went to see Cincinnati. That place ain't buzzing at all about that football team. What have they Probably done, so. you know? I mean, <laughs> Dolphins haven't done anything in decades, but they come with that tradition that you talked about. You know, sure. some of the big players and Don Shula and a, and a fan base that was all Dolphins here in the state of Florida yeah. until the Bucks and, and the Jaguars came to life. Uh, I want to play devil's advocate with you, and then we're probably going to let you go. But it's been a fun conversation and, and good to talk about it. Uh, I think there's a difference. See, I think there's a difference between ownership or, or front office or however you want to label it that is just kind of hanging around, and then there's one that tries. Now, just because you don't, tr- just because you try, doesn't mean you're going to have success. So, in my opinion, I feel like Shad Khan has done a lot to try to make this whole thing successful, from a business standpoint, from an on the field standpoint, to a growing the fan base standpoint. That's why the London thing, or partly why the London thing. And yes, economics do come into it. I'm not dumb. I get that. Fifteen percent of their local revenue is what they'll tell you. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. My initial reaction to that is always, been, "Why don't you do two there?" That'd be thirty yeah. percent, you know, from a business side, not from a fan side or, or an in-town guy uh, side of things. But I feel like he has tried. Now he hasn't always pushed the right buttons, but that he, they've spent money on free agents. They've spent money on the stadium. He obviously is behind a lot of this push with the city, and I know that doesn't directly impact fans, but I'm a huge believer on that correlates to the Jacksonville Jaguars and will help. Uh, what's your view on that? It may have not been successful to this point, although I don't think we can dismiss 2017 because that only happened two other times in franchise history, and that was an unbelievable year. But overall, you gave the record. It's not very good. From a try-hard standpoint, where do you think Shad fits as an owner? Uh, Mark Lamping, the the rest of the front office in the eyes of the fan. Yeah, and first of all, I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on and you know, kind of, kind of giving me a voice with this. Um, I want to be clear. I, 
I respect Shad Khan. I respect a lot of what he's done. I think he's a pretty incredible individual. I mean, I don't know him personally, but just his story and what he's done. I respect and I appreciate the, the efforts that he has gone and the lengths that he has gone to to continue to try and build something here. I, I really, really do. But I guess my question for you in return is, so, so to answer your question first, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's done a lot of great things. And I, I, I walk into that stadium, and I'm so proud of how that stadium looks. It, it's beautiful. Those video boards are incredible. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited by some of the things that, that he wants to do downtown. But when push comes to shove, you know, when, when rubber meets the road, what are we judged on, right? You know, the viability of this franchise is essentially judged on dollar figures that are, that are generated through corporate revenue and, you know, the attendance of the fans. So, so if, and the ticket sales. So if we're going to be judged on whether or not this is a viable market based upon how many fans are showing up, right? The proof is in the pudding, you know? So I don't, I, I don't feel that bad for him when he's trying hard, but we're not getting any results. When plenty of other teams are able to put together and organizations are able to put together competitive seasons back to back to back. So I, I, I don't feel that badly to, to take the stance that I'm taking, despite the fact that he is turning around and, and trying hard. Like, that, that's fine, but... You know, I think Wayne Weaver tried hard for a while, too. And the reality is we're talking about 15 years of really subpar product being on that field. And there's not much you can change, you can do to change that, to Austin's point, other than winning. Yeah. And, Kev, I thought you spoke very eloquently there, man. And when we're talking about Shad Khan, listen, I think he has tried to make steps to make the Jaguars great. You know, like you said, he's added additions to the stadium. And let's be honest. Shad Khan's not like a Jerry Jones where he wants to get his hands on everything. You know, he's he's not making the roster moves. Um, he's he's not trying to go out to these guys in the draft. Like he's hired people to do that for him. But the problem is that the people that he's hired, you you could argue and say, you know what, they haven't done a great job, and and, and that still falls on Shad Khan. Yeah, Shad Khan's not pushing the button of who they're gonna get for a quarterback, or I mean, maybe he wants to keep Joe Ramsey or whatever the issue is. I mean, he was kind of adamant about that. But I'm saying at the end of the roster and the performance on the field, while Shad Khan has to be responsible, he's hired people for that. And I guess if you want to make a change, if you're Shad Khan and you want to see a better product, you have to look at yourself and say, you know what, maybe I haven't hired the best guys underneath me. Maybe there has to be a change, and then maybe the product on the field will change. Simple as that. Yeah, you got. there's a lot that goes into it, and we know that. Yeah. And, and they do need to win more. Simple. There's a simplicity in this whole conversation, and, and I think you have hit that part on the on the head, Cap, and, and uh, we can debate about a lot of other things and, and bring up a bunch of issues. There's so many different avenues to go down with this topic, uh, and this has been fun to talk about it. But I do think at the end of the day, the simplicity is, and, and they know that, and we know that, and everybody knows that, it's winning football games. Yeah. And I said it earlier this week, they missed a huge opportunity in 2018 to go back-to-back good seasons and maybe another one into 2019. They missed a big-time opportunity where they could have rolled over and then got some of that sustainability. Instead, it was just a one-off. It was a fluky kind of year is what it looks like in the grand scheme. And now they have to try to do it again. And you got to win a few years uh, in a row. Hey, man, we can go a lot deeper on this, but I appreciate you taking the time on a Friday. I know you wanted to spend some time with the family at Bold City Pod is the uh, podcast, right? That's it. Yeah, man. Appreciate you shouting that out. No problem. Uh, we'll be listening to it and uh, 
As always, Bold City Brigade invited here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate it. All right. Have a good weekend. Uh, that's John Cap at Bold City Cap. <laughs> I call Ice him about Cap. 15 different yeah. things. Ice call uh, Cap. Uh, we thought about being formal for a moment and then decided not nah, to be. Nah, formal? Uh, Come on, bro. I'm casual. Hey, you know, there, I love the conversation. Yeah. I love it. I love it from the fans' point of view. I like trying to think about it from the Jags' point of view. From shot, I, I said this. We, we said this earlier in the week, right? The bottom line is, and the fans know this, and Cap brought this up. He knows it. Shot is in a position of power. He owns the football team. He sure. he has vast resources. He's in a position of power from an owning the football team, a broadening and globalizing the fan base, and I believe here in the city of Jacksonville. And I don't think he's abusing any power of that, but I also think it's not a charity. No, of course. <laughs> this isn't a charity. Listen. This isn't like, hey, if we don't feel like we're doing very well here, well, we should stay here because, you know, I really love the fans. I mean, I love the, the 40,000 fans. Even though it's not going to work, I love the fans. You know, Stan Kroenke said, I know it's not going to work or it can work better somewhere else, and he just took the damn thing out of here. See, I, I don't think if Shad wanted to just look at the bottom line, he could simply do that. He yeah. could have simply done that. I think there's more investment from Shad Khan, and, and I want to make sure he gets that credit, too. I think he wa- I've always said this, that I think he wants to make this underdog story, much like he is himself an underdog story, make it work in Jacksonville. And there's this, whether it's a, there's a part of every person that might have an ego, you're looking at a top 50 market that has an NFL team, which is one of 32, and you have an ocean, airports, a river, and really a blank canvas on what is Jacksonville, you know? And yeah. he gets to help shape that as a billionaire, as a guy with power, with money, and also power owning the franchise. And I'm, I've always been a believer it will go somewhere. I just think the time is now for it to go somewhere. And I don't mean out of here. I mean go somewhere in Jacksonville. So I hope that's the story we're telling for the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years. But I do believe you guys are right in this sense of it, is you better win football games. And well, sooner or later, you've got to win football There are a lot of franchises that haven't, but you better start here in Jacksonville winning games. Yeah, and listen, Brent, I'm, I'm not a billionaire. I'm never going to be a billionaire, all right? I just I don't have that mindset, and I don't have that intuition like Shad Khan does. That's why he's in the position of power right now that he is. And if you're a businessman, I think it's important that you have to understand all the variables. And the biggest variable right now is the fact that he has not put a winning product on the field for, you know, consecutive years. So I feel like, you know, the whether the fans come into the games or not, it's kind of flawed because you don't know what you have. Now, it's, it's the easy thing to say, all right, well, I'm not making money in Jacksonville. Let's go to London. You know why? Because as far as the game's concerned in London, it's new. It's fresh, you know? Now, granted, you're starting to see, I think... There's a lot the, of money in London. London's like yeah. New York City, man. Yeah, well, like exactly. Money but, but I'm saying it's still fresh. I mean, I know it's been there a couple years now, but it's still something new to, to the whole thing of London. So they'll embrace it, you know? They'll, they'll take it all in because it is the fresh market. I'm just saying from Shad Khan's perspective, if you want to get all the variables before you make a monumental decision, you have to understand that the biggest variable right now is putting the best product that you can on the field and then see how the crowd reacts to that see how the response is to that and if you see you know what we're winning ball games consecutively every single season and people are still on coming then you have your answer right there yeah i am wonder i have wondered a little bit why like the dolphins the bucks the jets the Bengals, teams like that haven't had these kind of conversations they haven't had they're not putting anybody in the seats i mean they're, yeah. they're, they're terrible 
They've been terrible for decades. The Jags have been better than them sure. if you go back to the, the start of this franchise. Well, keep in mind, Tampa Bay went to the Super Bowl, though. Well, you're right. Yeah. They did have the one but, but But it's been a long time now for yes. them, too. So yeah. like, that time's run out. That's... While that's different because they won the ultimate prize, it's not that different from the early success of the Jags, mm-hmm. which was in the late 90s, yeah. mid to late 90s. Uh, and the Jags have had more recent success with 2017. Yeah. Uh, so good conversation. Appreciate Cap coming on and, and uh, all the work uh, the Bold City Brigade does and the fans. Hey, man, it's all about the fans. It's uh, it's cool. We appreciate listening to the show as well. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 live at Mr. Chubby's Wings here in Fleming Island. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to give away a couple of tickets to an event tomorrow night out here in Orange Park. We have Stay in Your Lane, and i got to get to the Ohio State Chase Young story, too. Yeah. I want your thoughts on that and why this might be a good thing for Chase Young. That's next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome back. We're hanging out at Fleming Island and Mr. Chubby's Wings. By the way, Tuesday night's $8 burger night. Every Tuesday night, 8-ounce burgers with up to... Toppings, along with $3 craft beers. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane. Scott hanging out with us back in the studio as well. Great conversation with Bold City Cap about the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we appreciate this gentleman for hanging on the line a little bit longer as the clock is all over the place today. Apologies. Uh, we've had some good conversations that went a little bit long. But Jim Signorelli joins us right now. Hey, Jim, what's up, man? Hey, Brent. How you doing? Hey, thanks for hanging on the line. Appreciate it. I know you got a big weekend uh, coming up out here in Orange Park. Uh, we're in Fleming Island, so we're just down the road. you got some music, uh, Brett Myers, 38 Special. Tell us a little bit about it. You know, it's called our Help Somebody 3 Benefit Concert to support our Stuffing Stockings for Soldiers program with St. Michael's Soldiers. And uh, not only is it 38, Brett, you got the Kurt Town brand, Pinto Graham and Johnny and Donnie Van Zant are joining 38 Special on stage for a very special performance as well. That's awesome. Uh, St. Michael's Soldiers uh, does a lot for the soldiers. It sends care packages, and especially this time of year, it's a busy part of the year, and obviously sending um, anything they can uh, to soldiers overseas and, and make it feel a little bit more like home uh, during the holidays and any time of the year. And Jim and Kathy Signorelli, they, they started this. They do a fantastic job. Uh, we help support it with our Action Sports Jacks Dream 18, and this is just another one of those events that kind of branches out. Uh, this is going to be a fun night tomorrow, man. Uh, it's going to be incredible. It's real close to a sellout, too. Real excited about that. Do you have any uh, tickets that we can give away? Do you have a couple? I have saved a pair for you guys to give away. That is absolutely right. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to give away a couple of tickets. Uh, see everybody tomorrow night right out here in Orange Park. Uh, I think it starts at 6. Am I correct on that? It does. It does shut at 6. There are four bands, so it's a pretty long show. It'll be an excellent night. All right, uh, so 904-362-9901. Let's do caller number two, star star 690. You can get in that way as well. Caller number two, and uh, give your name to Scott. I'll give it to Jim, and you can pick it up at Will Call. Is that all right, Jim? Say it again, Brent. I'm sorry. (laughs) You can pick up those tickets at Will Call, right? Yeah, we can put them at Will Call. No worries. Okay, so I'll give you a name. Uh, How's Miss Kathy doing anyway? You guys getting ready for uh, stuff in the stockings? (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's a big event with the Jags coming up for shooting for a record, a 1,000 care packages next week. So That's the Jags awesome. have really jumped in with both feet to help out for sure. 
Uh, you guys do a great job. And uh, how can people get involved? I know I, I just asked you the other day. I want uh, Tyler and Kaylee to be able to go help out uh, a little bit. And what's the best way to find out information to get involved and volunteer? Because I know you need volunteers. We are all over social media on Instagram um, and, and our website, stmichaelsoldiers.org. Just like it is, stmichaelsoldiers.org. A list of donations that we need to ship and, of course, schedules for packing parties and anything else people can do would be fantastic. All right. Uh, so here we go. Let's uh, give away a couple of tickets, 904-362-9901 or star star 690. Call number two, and uh, you can be out here in Orange Park tomorrow night and uh, be a part of a great night that includes uh, Brett Myers, uh, 38 Special, uh, Donnie Van Zant, and uh, Johnny Van Zant. Anybody else? Who, would, uh, who am I missing? Fill in the blanks. Uh, Johnny the blanks. Van Zant, Johnny and Donnie both, and uh, Pinto Graham and the Kurt Town Band as well. Yeah, did you say the Pinto Graham? What's the relationship there? I heard something about... Pinto Graham is actually Kathy's brother's band from Connecticut. He works for ESPN in Bristol, and he's driving from Connecticut to perform. That's right. That's pretty cool. Good stuff. Yep. Uh, all right. Thanks, man. Well, hey, have a great weekend. Have a good night with that. And uh, I'll give you a text and, and let you know who won the tickets. Thanks for having us, guys. All right. Uh, check out St. Right. Michael's Take Soldiers and, and volunteer during the holidays. A really cool thing they do and, and proud to be a part of it as well. Jim and Kathy are awesome, awesome people. Uh, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, almost uh, in the books yes, sir. here on a Friday. We are live at Mr. Chubby's Wings. Catch all the football action here this weekend. Started with college football tomorrow and then the NFL Sunday ticket. All of out of the out-of-market games are shown here. So, I mean, there are a bunch of TVs. You get your favorite team. Obviously, the Jags aren't playing on Sunday. But uh, come on out to Mr. Chubby's Wings here in Fleming Island, also on the west side. Chase Young. Yes, Essentially suspended for this game, not going to play again for Ohio State. This yeah. guy's a stud. Like, he should be in the Heisman Trophy uh, no, for conversation. Sure. Well, it's funny because you said Chase Young. I thought he was a country artist. But, oh, yeah, it's Chase Young from Ohio State. And then we're back. <laughs> All right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Back yeah. talking sports. Yeah. Um, what about this story? He said he came out, actually, on social media and said, I accepted a loan from a family friend. Yeah. Not a booster, anybody like that, a coach. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's in question. The NCAA is taking a look. What do you think? Is there more to this story? Um, and I think it could be beneficial, actually, to Chase Young at this point in his career, considering he's a top whatever pick. So, before I answer that question, I just want to say, Brent, that I think the curse that me and Fitz have every single Tuesday that we talk to him, it is real. Because if you remember, if you go back to the, the last time we talked to him, I said, teams are going to choke for Chase. Uh, he is the real deal. He's, he's, he's a Heisman, you know, hopeful. And I said that... Hopefully, after the show, Brian, I said, hopefully we didn't just jinx him because it seems like whenever I bring up somebody good, something bad happens. It happened with UCF, it happened with Wisconsin, and it happened with Chase Young in Ohio State now. So the jinx is real, Brent. Uh, hopefully I just keep my mouth shut from now on. I don't jinx anybody else. But to answer your question, is it beneficial for Chase Young? Well, of course it is. Let's be honest here. Look look no further than Bosa last year. Yeah. You know, remember when, and, and granted, Bosa, from what we were told, he had a, he had a pretty serious abdominal injury now. How serious was it? Yeah, could that, he have made it back? That, that's yeah. a question. Could he have played through the pain? Possibly. But you saw how he's doing this year, and I think a lot of that had to do with was the fact that he didn't play a full college football season, that he didn't have to go to a senior bowl, that he didn't go to the combine. Like, all these things, man, to, to be a rookie in the NFL, as they say, when you hit the wall, well, it's from just a lack of activity. And, you know, we'll see if Chase Young is going to be out for the season or at least out for an extended period of time. Number one, that helps with injuries. And number two... It gives him, I guess, and it's going to sound bad, but it gives him a chance to focus on 
life after Ohio State. Yeah, and I don't like that mentality. If no, something leads you down that road and you benefit because of that, or if you don't want to play in the bowl game, I'm a little whatever on that one. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you, especially where Ohio State sits, and you're chasing a national championship, if I'm a scout, and while it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because I'm going to pick you because you're a great player and I need great players, I still would have a, an intangible box of saying, hey, I got a question. This what's what's the way? How is this guy going to react and play when we might be six and eight in the season? Yeah. What's he going to look like in the final two games? You know, yep. if he doesn't want to stay with it. So I think, and I'm not saying Chase Young is like that. I just think these kind of situations bring up those questions for me. Now, great players are great players, and they trump that kind of conversation. They absolutely Understood. do. It's not a perfect world. Uh, I, I I get that. I'm not that naive, but I still think it should mean something. And you don't want to give up on that football team if you can help it. No, you're absolutely right, Brent. And listen, if I'm Chase Young's teammate, obviously I want him to play in every single game, you know, because it gives us a better chance of winning for the Ohio State Buckeyes. But to sit here and tell yourselves, you know, if Chase Young doesn't play at all the rest of the season, and then he goes into the combine interviews and coaches like, well, well, how do you feel about quitting on your team? You know, like, are are you not a team guy? Yeah, coaches, scouts, and GMs, or whoever else are going to tell that to Chase Young. But as soon as that meeting's over, they're going to go back to the footage. They're going to watch what a beast he is on the field and be like, you know what? This guy could have quit on his team for the past two seasons as long as he's playing like that, as long as he's getting the quarterback <laughs> like that, as long as he's you know playing with a reckless abandonment like that. I want him on our team. So that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Now, you know, when we're talking about the sixth, seventh-round picks, well, then, yes, then maybe that brings uh, it starts to come into question a little more. But when you're talking about a bona fide first-round pick, the coaches don't care. All right, we didn't get to just about – 14 things we were supposed to do today. We'll put our picks out on social media. Hope everybody has a great week, and we'll have our Action Sports Jacks Game of the Week on ESPN 690 coming up at 7.30 from Fleming Island against Wakaiva. Of course, a Friday Night Blitz coming up tonight, and our pregame show, our Mr. Chubby's Wings pregame show starts at 7.15 on ESPN 690. Thanks to Mr. Chubby's Wings for coming out. Those maple cages were just as good as I said, weren't they? Better. Absolutely. You undersold them. Scott, nice work back there. Have a good weekend, man. Austin Lane, have a good weekend. I'm Brett Morton. We'll see you on TV. Thanks for hanging with us on ESPN 690. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.